much, but they never tell you if it's any good. Are either one of these any good? Sir? What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You mean you haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these? Nope. Well, what about these two? Oh, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. I was only pointing out that you weren't paying any attention to what I was saying. I hope it feels good. You hope what feels good? I hope it feels so good to be right. There's nothing more exhilarating than pointing out the shortcomings of others, is there? Well, this is the last time I rent here. You'll be missed. Screw you! Hey, you're not allowed to rent here anymore. Seven minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 of this, the month of January in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, my compadres, my amigos, my fellow travelers on the road of comedy, where it is always night. Uh, this is the Ray Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503 970-503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us today with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, kvitches, ruminations, ponderings, musings, what have ye, ends, odds, whatever it is you got. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the absurd, whatever it is that might be plaguing your brain. On this morning, uh, it is Friday, and uh, welcome to day twelve. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. You can also email if you like. It's Rick at rickemerson dot com. Rick at rickemerson dot com. Uh, Sarah at nine seventy dot am or Richie with a T at nine seventy dot am. You know, I have a question for you, Sarah Dillon. Have you yes. seen the CNN prep sheet? No, you did not give it to me. Is it printed out in any of those things over there that I gave you? Because it occurs to me we haven't actually booked anybody from CNN yet. One of those things that just fell through the drain in the floor of my brain this morning. Nope. That's fantastic. Is it though? Yeah, because it printed and I handed it to you. That's wonderful. Did you really this morning? Yeah. Remember when I was separating the stories? No, not at all. I have no recollection of that. How long ago did this happen? Would you say it was more than ten minutes ago? Yeah, it was like half an hour ago. Yeah, I don't know. I have nothing. Where do you suppose I would have put that? I don't know. Should I print it out again? Yes. I guess I could have just skipped to the bottom of the page on that one. I could have gone right to, can you give me another copy of that? Thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Well, coming up later on today, I do believe we'll be talking to CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer. 
I have an inkling. We'll be talking to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, and I have just the smallest suspicion. Uh, we'll be talking to Bob Costantini. Because I think they impeached that Blagojevich guy today. Which is, I mean, not so good for him. Good for us. It's amusements and laughs is what it is. Anyway, so uh, we will uh, talk to CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini later on today about that. Aaron Duran. Will join us in the studio later on. Uh, Chris Paddock from Rock 101 KUFO will step in to do his top five today. We we actually have two separate top fives today in two separate hours of the show, and I've sort of I've made sure to schedule and segment them out so we get to both of them and give them both the attention they deserve. Uh, so Chris Paddock is going to be here with the top five montage songs from a film. Top five montage songs. From a film. That'll be coming up uh, around 1.30 today. And then Aaron Duran's going to step in in the 2 o'clock hour. And Aaron Duran, see, every now and again we have a list that you can just sort of, we do a top five, I would say probably once a month, that just causes all kinds of, uh, I believe the polite term now is polarization. And I think the last top five we did that created a bunch of uh, divisiveness in the audience was that top five sitcom theme songs or something like that. There's a top five sitcom themes, and I think that was the one that caused... I mean, it was like three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days of hate mail. So today, though, Chris Paddock doing his top five montage songs, round 1.30. Two o'clock hour, Aaron Duran doing the top five... Wait for it. Top five video game theme songs. And I don't mean like on a soundtrack, like you like you know the, the kids now with their uh, their Halo Three and whatever. You know, you go to the store and you buy, and it's a whole album. I'm talking about like, doo -doo 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 -doo. you know, that kind of thing. So coming up later on the day, Aaron Duran attempts to pull the sword from the stone, uh, eight bit style. He'll be doing the top five video game theme songs of all time. That's in a tour. Really? I'm just saying. And I, and I don't even know what's on the list. The only reason I went for the Super Mario Brothers, because it seems like that's the one that sort of... Cause it, because there is this sort of weird event horizon. See, and I almost don't want to start talking about it now, because it's going to be one of those things that then prematurely uh, overtakes the whole first half of the show. It, it seems like... Let me ask you this. Uh, Sarah Dillon, can you, uh, can you sort of uh, hum, sing, or perform any part of a video game theme song just for memory right now? That's the cutest thing you've ever done. Really? Well, it was all that I told you I lost like four months of my all life right. to that. No, no, no. I mean, I, I never doubted that you'd be able to do what I'm just saying right now. That's like adorable <laughs> with the biggest capital A you've ever seen in your I life. I love that. I love that song. I, well I spent just hours listening to that over and over again. I, can I tell you right now, if you listen if you listen really carefully, you can just hear the sounds of a thousand nerds in the audience. I'm going, blushing. Oh. I shouldn't have done that. I, you know, I was just singing the Super Mario Brothers thing. Richie Bristol, oh. can you perform any video game theme song from memory? No. Yes, wow, you can. You couldn't play video awful. games all the time. I know it's cluttered with tons and tons of... Oh, when I was out last night, I met somebody who knows you. Okay, let's back up for a second. You don't sound very good, my friend. You sound even worse than you did yesterday. I'm hung over at NyQuil. <laughs> I haven't drank since a while ago. I've been playing. And then you went right for the NyQuil. That's half wonderful. You didn't have half the bottle, it's did you? God, I, yeah. You're only supposed to have like a tablespoon of that. It's like 20 proof, isn't it? I don't know. I, NyQuil, all I know is when you look at it, it just says in huge letters, ingredients, alcohol, and then, you know, when you look at a medicine, there's the the active ingredient, then the inactive ingredient. The active, let's, let's have no illusions about this, friends. Because you live in Oregon, you don't live in Washington, so you're not like you're going to be able to get even like pseudoephedrine in it now. So the active ingredient in NyQuil is booze. 
Yeah, well, it does yeah. not peddle any fiction that there's some sort of like actual chemical of tomorrow in there that does anything. I mean, it's not like they not like they went and they created some brand new thing on the periodic table to replace pseudoephedrine. It's just booze. <laughs> and so you, but how long has it been since you've uh, since you've consumed alcohol socially, Richie? Uh, it was the night of the. Uh, yes. A while ago. Three months. It was no, I I had no. Some, you we were Rochelle. Yeah, I had some that night to loosen me up. I had one. Uh, so this is, but it's been like I, probably six weeks since you've really consumed, drunk, drank. Yeah, I, whatever. Since you've gotten drunk, socially speaking. Yeah. How much Nyquil did you have last night? Uh, I lost count in like three or four shots. Why would you? But I mean, you're not supposed to take. First of all, it's supposed to knock you out. I thought I was going to go to sleep, and I didn't. I just kept on taking another shot, thinking it knocked so I out. just kept drinking. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to take NyQuil in shots, first of all. I think that might be the wrong way to view a medication. Give a little cup. I think they might. Yeah, but I mean, I think you're just supposed to take one of those. And I think you're supposed to take it in bed as well. What? Have you ever watched the commercials for NyQuil where they show the guy taking it and it's the nighttime sniffling, sneezing, stuffy, headachey fever so you can rest medicine? No, no, no. You're supposed to take NyQuil in bed, and here's why. Because, as I think you probably determined, like, they never show the guy... That's why they don't show the, the NyQuil guy going and, you know, and then if I take you know, two tablespoons of NyQuil and I'll feel fine tomorrow, they don't show him doing that, like, behind the wheel of a car or, like, while operating a meat slicer. Because if you take your NyQuil in the kitchen, you're going to wake up in the kitchen. Like, you got to take it in bed... Because you're almost immediately just, you know, you're going to be, uh, you, you, I mean, you're just going to be unconscious. So, all right. What time did you take the NyQuil? Uh, nine, ten. Well, all right, then. I went to bed like a two. I fell asleep. I was watching Lost, the old four, uh-huh. season four. I fell asleep, and I woke up, and there was Lost still going because I heard a big boom or something. Uh-huh. And I walked to the kitchen, took another shot. All right. Well, that's great. Well, you sound fantastic. Great. In any event, uh, so... So you're self-medicating because you just couldn't sleep? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's always the right way to use that stuff. <sighs> Moving forward. Uh, so, yeah, so top five uh, video game theme songs of all time coming up today with Aaron Duran. Top five uh, songs from a film montage coming up today uh, with Chris Paddock. Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, Corpse Watch, I believe, coming up later on today, and uh, more. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm doing very well today. Uh, how was your evening? It was good. I went to this rad bar, which um, I shall maybe be talking a little bit more about in the near future. I uh, went there and um, hung out with some cool people, and then, yeah, and then met up with... Uh, Jen Lane and hung out with Lisa, my friend who has you know the kids right. who never gets to go out. So that was a lot of fun. So you brought a small ray of sunshine into her maternal life. <laughs> she brought a ray of sunshine into mine, Rick. Oh, of course. Well, that's what they do. That's wonderful. All right. Yeah. Um, good yes. night. Nothing too meh, nothing too exciting. Okay then. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just still back on the image of Richie just drinking half a bottle. That's of what Michael. I want to hear uh, more about. Was it coupled with anything else? Like, did you take any other medications with it? Oh yeah. Uh, Tylenol, and then Dave Zinn gave me something that's supposed to last 24 hours. That didn't really help. Uh huh. Did he tell you what it was, or did he just slip it to it you in a brown a paper bag? Pill. I don't know what. It, a real small one. I was like. And oh. you're sure it's a cold that you have? You're sure you're not allergic? I thought to it was something. an allergy yesterday. Right. What I would do if I were you, Richie, is don't ever bother to get it actually diagnosed or to identify the symptoms. Just cycle through any number of medications for any number of things. Just take them randomly. Maybe just toss them all into a big 
Toss them all into like a big sort of like a crown royal bag, and then just reach your hand in and pull some out, and then just consume them without even checking to see what they are. <laughs> all right. What are you? So we went through a little bit of this yesterday, but you're not you, like you don't have like a, you're not all swollen up on the throat or anything, are you? No. All right. It's my nose. Would you say that your throat is more of a tickle or more of a rasp? Uh, uh, rasp. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, Would you say that your nose is more congested or leaky? Yesterday was leaky. Today it's still. Yeah. See, so I don't. I don't know. I, I have nothing. Oh, all. hey, by the way, by the way, just uh, real quickly, and then we'll and then we'll talk about some other things. Then we'll take a break. We'll come back with CNN with all that. I just want to know, by the way, my wife, who is a nurse, my wife is a medical professional. Uh, she has studied medicine. She has a degree in blah 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 something or other. She actually told me last night that the company, and I forget the trade name of it, but the company that creates the flu shot, which I skip every year, and which I think all of us... Did you skip the flu shot? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, no, I never get it. Yeah. Well, I the, did once, and I got really sick. The, com- the company that makes the most widely used commercial flu shot actually uh, just revealed, I think the day before yesterday, that the flu shot, of course, this year did nothing. The company themselves is actually admitting that nah, the flu shot was basically a uh, bupkis. It actually helped no one, and we're sorry about that. So there you go. Bail out. I'm just saying. I know. Boy, dude, did you see? Uh, did you see Larry King uh, on? Um, see Larry King on Anderson Cooper last night? No, oh, it's fantastic. Because Larry King and what's his name, Joe Francis, the. Um, and Joe Francis was that the, the girls gone wild guy. You know they're doing that whole thing of pushing for the porn bailout, which is hilarious. And they've got Joe Francis on. They've got Joe Francis on television. Like he's the guy who's sort of. He's the guy who's the public face of it because I, you know he's kind of a pretty boy and whatever. Um, but clearly it's Larry Flint's idea because Larry Flint is just you know because he's the king of all of those weird kind of great publicity stunts. And so. They were on TV last night talking about the $5 billion bailout needed for the porn industry. And you could see Anderson Cooper trying not to lose his composure every time he had to use the phrase stimulus package for the porn industry, which is like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, and so in speaking of that, I've got all of this stuff that I haven't bothered to sort today. So we got a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of that stuff uh, to get to. But so I was but I was watching Anderson Cooper last night as they were talking about this and I was at one point in the evening trying to multitask because I was watching Anderson Cooper while attempting to clean up these small glass shards from a Christmas tree ornament that my dog Philo decided to again uh, attack last night. And then I was starting to like, do you ever do this? Do you ever completely lose track of something in your in your living room? And by something, I mean a Christmas tree. And then you look up and you realize that not only is it now January, what is it, January 9th? Yep. January 9th. So the tree is still there. And then I had this sort of disconcerting realization that it was strung with lights, and I can't remember the last time I watered it. And it's, like, dead, like, from the beginning anyway. So I got that whole thing. And I think I missed the cutoff date for the recycling, too. Like, isn't there something where the Boy Scouts will come by your house up to, like, January, whatever, and they'll, like, haul the tree away? I I don't know. I've never, like, had a tree in my adult life. Because I can't just stick it on the curb, can I? Like, I don't I think just, so. Like, I, if I put it on the curb, the, the trash guy is just going to ignore me. I think you could do it, but they charge you, like, a $20 fee or something. So I can just go, but I can just go put it out by the trash and, like, if I... I think so. But, but they would they anything out there. They just charge you extra for, like, a, a mattress or something like is that. Is that true? If you put a mattress out on the curb and the trash guy haul it away? Oh, I don't know. I think so. I think, I think so. you're making that up. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Where, that's how, garbage. No, because how would they even have the mechanism to do that? They throw it in the... They got muscles. No, but see, but I don't know... I understand that, but I'm saying I don't even think they have the... In other words, they don't have sufficient space, I would think, in the, in the garbage truck to take it away. Oh, maybe they find you 50 bucks. 
Does the city have some sort of service where they'll come by and pick up actual stuff, like refuse on the curb? Uh, oh, probably. All right. <laughs> Clearly, Richie's going to be no help. There. You're going to con- Richie's going to be contributing zero. No, because we're not as domesticated as you are. Like we don't have things like trees. Did you have a Did you have a tree? <laughs> right. No. No. I, I. Okay. I'm just asking. We. You know, Sarah lives in Southeast Portland. Clearly, you've seen huge pieces of furniture just sitting on the sidewalk. It's true. I'm I've just, acquired pieces of furniture that way. I'm just wondering if that's a thing where you have to wait for your neighbors to come by and get rid of it, like fire ant style, or if they're, or if the city has some program to come get rid of just crap that you set out on the curb. I think you get charged for it. Do they do it now? But does the city just? But how? Because I know, like you know, you have like a certain amount of cans or whatever for your house, and then if it's over capacity, you get charged. Well, but it, probably, well it wouldn't be me. It would probably be my be my landlord. But but if I just but if you have like a like an end table or a lamp or something, stick it in your garbage can. You should take a time out. Speaking. <laughs> Why don't you just stick it in the dumpster next to the, in the, those apartments near your house? Nah, see, and I was gonna do that, but the tree I got this year is huge. It would like there's no way I could do that under the cover of night. Uh, like last year I could. Yeah, have I done wouldn't it. want to be wandering around in that area. No, and, <laughs> the, well, and the and the thing is the tree. Well, I told the story around Christmas that the tree I got is just it's massive. I mean, it, like we sort of didn't. I didn't bother to measure like the doorway of the house or the living room or even the back of my truck this year. And so Lara and I went and got a tree and we. We endeavored to put it in the back of the Toyota, and it was just and like on the way back from the Christmas tree lot this year. We were having to do the thing where she was driving home, and I was actually in the back of the truck with like one hand through the seatbelt loop and both hands holding onto the tree so that it didn't slide out the back of the Toyota into traffic because it was so big. And then we got it up into our porch, and we couldn't get it in the front door of the house mm-hmm. because it was too large. Which you think I would have known better, like I would, because of that that whole business last year with the sofa that I bought that was too big to get to the front door of the house. So like I don't know, December twelfth or whatever it was that we bought the tree. I'm there like it's stuck in the doorway. I'm standing outside in like fourteen degree weather with a hacksaw, having to cut off branches so I can get it in the house. So it's taking up this one whole corner of the living room, and it's like having an alarm clock in the background that goes tick 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 tick. And after a while, you don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. And it's like the tree in my head is now no longer a decoration. It's just part of the furniture. Rick, so you know what you're trying to do? You miss my father's place so much, you're trying to make your home my father's That's place. That's exactly what it is, Sarah. I'm trying is, to repl- you're going to take up smoking and leave the Christmas tree up all year round. <sighs> exactly. I mean... I think maybe that is what you're doing. Look, psychologically, you've uh, you've already forgotten that the Christmas tree's in the corner. Here's the thing. Well, I mean, if it was if it was an artificial tree, I might actually do that. I might actually just uh, I might actually just cut out the middleman and just make my house just go for the full-on tack design. I keep my um I have like a little tinsel Christmas tree that I keep up year-round. See, now I would do that. See, I would do that if it wasn't a real tree. That's obviously because with a real tree, then it's just going to be. Because then yeah, I'm just going to turn on the news, and it's going to be, you know, it was a four alarm blaze, and the authorities suspect, you know, whatever. And then it's, you know, and then, and that'll be one of my own stories here on the show. But, all right. Well, in any event, uh, we should take a break. Come back after this. Coming up uh, later on the program, Aaron Duran, Chris Paddock, your phone calls, and more. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. <laughs> Uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later on, we'll do the top five montage songs from a film. Uh, we'll also do the top five video game theme songs of all time. Uh, we got a uh, Geek Watch coming up today, Corpse Watch, and all that. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll get your phone calls in a moment, but this 
is CNN radio correspondent and living deity, Bob. How are you, Rick? Hello, Bob. It's How are you? It's good to be a living deity. I'm sorry? It's good to be a living living deity. Well, you know, I mean, there are very few people that can wear that mantle well, Bob Costantini, so congratulations on being one of the few. I'm not sure I can spell that even, but... You can, <laughs> you can spell deity. Spell deity for me now. D-E-I-T-Y, yes. Oh, see, so that, you know, you know, you were your sandbagging right there. You were rope trying to be funny. Trying to be funny. Oh, I'm, okay. Um, the, you always uh, accuse me of being so serious. That's not true, Bob. <laughs> It's entirely true, Bob. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, it, by the way, I, I should actually say that I used you as sort of a benchmark. I think it was yesterday or a reference point. There is, um, it, it, we were talking about a, uh, a friend of ours who was, who was a news person at another station here in town until just a couple of days ago when he was let go. And mm-hmm. how we were sort of saying that we, we ought to have him on to sort of just be a guest news person someday just to kind of, you know, get, you know let people know what he's up to and to give him, you know, to give him a chance to sort of, uh, you know, let people know how to get a hold of him and whatever. But the point I was making with this guy was that while he is a friend of ours, I, I was sort of suspecting he probably wouldn't want to come on and do the news with us because he has very little patience for juvenile shenanigans in any sort of news segment. Yeah. And I said that... He was, in fact, um, a lot like Bob Costantini, but even more serious and uh, sort of hard-boiled about things most of the time. So That's probably why he was let go, too. <laughs> That's you who said that, Bob Costantini. Knowing the news business anymore, especially evil, TV news. That evil cackle in your voice. Yes. Uh, all right. Um, I've been there. <laughs> Have you really? Oh yeah. Uh, well, it's. I mean, these are. You know, there's that. Uh, there's that uh, Chinese uh, proverb slash curse, and the, the Chinese curse was, uh, "May you live in interesting times." Yeah. And so these are the much. Uh, these are the much fabled and uh, spoken about interesting times. It's spinning times, actually. Uh, it, so. I was watching this. I was watching uh, this coverage on Anderson Cooper last night about about Barack Obama and his um, and his stimulus package. And as I noted earlier, Anderson Cooper kept trying to not lose his composure during the later part of the uh, the hour when they were talking about Larry Flint and the porn stimulus package, yes. which is really one of the best combinations of words I've ever heard. <laughs> but they were talking about this 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 business of the government being now like the last best hope. For trying to fix everything, because like the Federal Reserve can't really lower rates anymore, and now the business isn't really able to fix anything. Is the consumers aren't able to fix this? So as much as people sort of instinctively, and I understand why, but but as much as people instinctively distrust the federal government, and they just feel like you, like the government can't even pave the road in front of my house correctly. But now it is, it is really up to the man uh, yeah. to fix everything here, because that's otherwise we're 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 hosed, right? Um, uh, it certainly uh, looks uh, a lot like that, especially if you uh, you take a more pessimistic view about how things are going. And obviously, uh, today's job numbers certainly didn't help with uh, unemployment going to 7.2%. Now, um, if you're old enough uh, like me, you remember times when unemployment was much higher. But the outlook and, and you know, uh, uh, the long-range outlook of everything just seems to be so grim <laughs> right now. Uh, that it's uh, you know the president-elect and his people and the Democrats in particular and um, and some Republicans believe that we have to have a huge stimulus uh, package that only uh, this kind of, this size package can only be done uh, by the likes of Uncle Sam uh, to get the economy moving once again and uh, so it's it's a uh, it's a balancing act of whether you want some stimulus whether you want huge deficits. Uh, can we withstand huge deficits 
etc. Well, because of, because of the, the <laughs> nice little flourish on the end of your uh, sentence, by the way. Um, <laughs> I could go on for a while. Uh, you know what? You have you know what, it, sir. It, the, the slate is the slate is blank for you. I mean, the, uh, the 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 program is your oyster to do with as you wish. But I mean, this is not that it really matters at this point because the deficit's like nine skillion dollars already. Ten trillion. But I, so I mean, yeah. like at a certain, I wonder what the psychological line of demarcation though is with the deficit, where you just like once it gets over a trillion, do you suppose anybody in the government really e- e- even cares that the stimulus package is going to make it like fifteen trillion? I mean, really, what is that? I mean, yeah. what is it? What is it? What does it matter? Because employment's unemployment is now. You were referring to it as being a record rate. It is now 7.2. 7. 7.2. 7. Yeah. Which is the highest I think they said since 15 years, something like that. Yeah. I was. We were watching. Uh, uh, we were watching this news last night, and I made this re- observation to my wife, and I don't know if you would agree on this, but I said that, you know, although I wasn't that old for most of the 70s, I was certainly old enough to remember, if not a lot of specifics, I was old enough to remember kind of the general tone yeah. and the vibe and just sort of how things felt, you know, just, just you know, especially in, you know, in my house growing up where, you know, my parents were, you know, certainly had, there were periods of joblessness with my parents and all of that. And it does, it's, every time I watch the news, I got this weird, uh, I got this weird sense where it, it feels like the 70s in so many ways, and not just because of the gas thing that we just went through. It does have that same sort of, it does have that same sort of aura right now. I think, um, in a lot of ways, it's, uh, it may be worse. We may be feeling a lot worse about it. Um, but again, you know, 7.2 percent unemployment is certainly not the highest it's ever been. Not as high as the depression when, you know, a quarter of Americans were out of work. The point is, uh, in a lot of ways, is that the government has already taken some action, and the government is already propping up a significant uh, part of the economy, uh, namely uh, the uh, uh, financial sector, right, right. which was the idea that you know if the financial sector sector is strengthened and lending improves, then things will trickle down and things will start to get better. But now. Um, as you point out, just about everybody, uh, including the uh, the porn industry, if you will, uh, a bit tongue in cheek, of course. So but you know, we may hear from the steel industry uh, after the automobile industry has uh, gotten its little share of the bailout. Um, you know, uh, the uh, real estate industry, uh, uh, commercial real estate, uh, has been making rumblings that they may want some help from Uncle Sam. Okay, I got a great. So idea. Where does it stop? I mean, you know, and and obviously, newspaper industry has been hurting significantly. The radio business. Uh, where do we Where do we all line up? Uh, I have a great idea. Okay, here's what Here's what we really ought to need to do. Businesses. This is really a truly great idea. We ought to have a bailout lottery. Yeah. And here's the deal: the businesses can be eligible for like, I don't know, like a billion-dollar bailout from the government, who apparently just have big piles of cash sitting around to hand out to people. But in order to be eligible uh, for the bailout, you got to, like, do something. Like, you've got to either contribute a certain amount to other American businesses of manufacture. you got to yeah. give uh, – you got to extend benefits to 15% more of your employees. You must – how about this? Any business that goes a year without firing somebody goes into the lottery, and at the end we draw a business name and they win a billion-dollar bailout. Sort of like a business card at the, uh, the local it, deli. That's yeah. exactly what it is, Bob. But, but again, in order to be eligible, you got to go a whole year without giving anybody the sack. Um, well, there there is there is one little bit of uh, one little nugget in there that some on Capitol Hill are uh, expressing. They do want uh, people who get part of this bailout money to either you know manufacture things in this country or buy American for whatever it is they may do, and sort of put that restriction on it. 
Uh, I don't know if that's really going to fly necessarily, but, um, uh, you know, it remains to be seen what, uh, what's going to come of this Obama stimulus plan, all $750 billion or so of it. But uh, as you said earlier, $15 trillion debt um, is an exaggeration right now, but it's not really out of the question. Well, I'm just trying to help, Bob. Yes. All right. Uh, well, on that note uh, and uh, so forth, so uh, have a, a fantastic weekend. Will you be doing anything exciting? All of you have a fantastic weekend as well. Uh, no, we'll be uh, just sort of uh, uh, hanging around and uh, resting up, if you will, for the uh, big inauguration uh, uh, mess or whatever you want to call it. Okay. Difficult Bob? times, difficult days with uh, yes. getting around. Bob, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Bob Costantini, ladies and gentlemen. Well, okay. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to uh, join us today in just a moment, we'll talk to uh, CNN radio correspondent uh, Ed McCarthy. I love Bob so much. I really do, and I'm trying to find... Are you excited about an enormous stimulus package, Rick? Yes, I am, more than you can possibly imagine. I'm trying to find... Do you ever, do you ever have an email, and you print it out, and you lose it? And then you're going back trying to find the actual email in your, you know, in other words, you're going trying to find it, you know, back in your email program somewhere so you can reprint it, and it's just nowhere. Occasionally, like, the computer just chooses to delete things totally and entirely. So I printed this email this morning that I wanted to read. It was about KGW, and it really is, it really is quite fantastic, but I can't find it. And so now I'm going back to my deleted items, my send items, my forwarded items. It's just nowhere. It's just gone. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, 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 the computer just achieved self-awareness and decided just to get rid of it to vex me. All right, well, i got to find it later. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the South, and then we'll get to some of your calls, people on hold, undoubtedly, about my Christmas tree. Uh, seeing a radio correspondent, Ed McCarthy. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. How are you? Happy Friday. Uh, thank you uh, to you as well, sir. How's, uh, how's life? How are things? Things are not too bad. Uh, things especially are moving along in the state of Illinois. It's uh, pretty interesting. I've been covering this uh, Blagojevich saga today and uh, he uh, has in fact uh, been impeached the house of representatives in illinois uh, by a vote of uh, i guess it was 114 to one one guy actually voted against it and uh, three didn't vote at all but uh, they're going to send it down to the illinois senate and uh, they will have the ultimate decision as to whether or not he'll be removed see here's my thing about blagojevich is i also might have i mean i might have actually thought two or three times before voting for impeachment because you take a good long look at that guy he seems like a guy who could uh, as they uh, as they used to say he seems like a guy who could probably get you handled uh, you know <laughs> he, he seems like he probably has uh, just my speculation Probably a bag of cash somewhere that nobody knows about, and probably some friends with nicknames like the Chin or Knuckles, who could come pay you a uh, could come pay you an unpleasant visit. But uh, that being said, what is the next? So they, what is it they do with? There's a whole trial that happens now, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a trial in the state senate in Illinois. So you know they'll take the uh, case uh, facts by facts and uh, put everything together and see if that it will add up and whether or not uh, they will uh, dislodge him from his post as governor. And, you know, the other thing that uh, is very interesting is another development today. It's, it's been crazy. It comes in threes and fours from Chicago, it seems, in uh, the state of Illinois. The Illinois uh, uh, State Senate, uh, as we mentioned, will be trying the case next to remove uh, the governor. But the uh, 
now the Illinois uh, Supreme Court has ruled that the Secretary of State does not have to sign off on the appointment of Roland Burris to fill Barack Obama's vacant U.S. Senate seat. So we're back now to Harry Reid, I guess, in uh, Washington, and he'll be saying welcome aboard pretty soon. You know, I have this theory that maybe... Maybe Illinois uh, is doing all this as some sort of like maybe they figure that we just need comic relief right now. You know, I mean that we're like everybody's so stressed out and so just the mentally uh, just sort of cranked up about the state of the economy and everything seems to be going sideways. Maybe this is all some sort of an elaborate gag, like it's performance art or something, because they, they know we need something to take our minds, uh, you know, off uh, all the recent election stress and uh, you know and, and the war and the, the, the unemployment. And so they've all gotten together to do this just so we have, like, a soap opera to watch every night. Because it doesn't seem like a state could really be run this badly. Or did I see something about that? It's true. They say that this Blagojevich thing, it really has garnered the interest of the American public. (laughs) And, of course, the economy has been the lead dog as far as the story goes every day. Do you suppose the problem is that Illinois is really still just taking baby steps in trying to have some sort of a government system that isn't hopelessly corrupt and broken? That's a good question, and today it was really brought out by a lot of these lawmakers uh, saying that, you know, this is the first step. This is the first step. I heard that a few times, that, uh, you know, now, uh, you know, we'll we'll do this, and, you know, in the future, you know, we have to be careful. We have to make sure that everything is on the up and up, you know, and uh, the people of Illinois deserve better, and you hear so much of that right now. But, oh, it's been one thing after another, uh, you know, and not just Illinois. I mean, we, we've seen corruption around the country, and... Uh, various forms but uh, still uh, you know they certainly have had a laundry list there it is uh, it has been it has been quite a saga uh all right then uh big plan well you know it's not your weekend though you're 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 on you're on the this is like your monday right yeah but, right. well actually this is my uh, my thursday so to speak right. uh, i'm in uh, i'm in on saturdays usually so uh well, that's uh, that's how that works. All right, my friend. Kind of a well, bizarre week. It starts on a Tuesday and it ends on a Saturday. Well, do enjoy your uh, do enjoy your next uh, round of days off, and we will uh, speak with you sometime next week, my friend. Absolutely, Rick. All right, thank Take you. Take care. Have a good weekend. Go. See you in the radio correspondent, Ed McCarthy. All right, that's wonderful. Okay, and by the way, here's a thing I've never I've never said. I've never made this observation on the air because it is a very it's a very niche observation. It doesn't really you know no one really cares about this but me. There's this. But this Rod Blagojevich guy in Illinois, here's the other thing that's especially weird about him for me. He looks like this character actor that I used to know. Uh, this guy, and uh, you know, don't, don't matter. nobody would know who he is. But he's this guy, you know, he's, one, he's a character actor, which means by definition, you wouldn't know his name. But if you saw his face, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. And this guy always ended up on bad sort of, like not CSI, because CSI wasn't around then. But he's like bad sort of like early to mid-90s versions of shows like CSI. So he'd be on a show like, um, he'd be on a show like Ken Olin's Easy Streets or something, or like on, uh, I think he was on that terrible, what was that Peter Horton show? Brimstone. He was on Brimstone, and I think he was on NYPD Blue at one time. Uh, and it's like, he, he was always, he was always the heavy. He was always the guy that got arrested for something. And he was, the, his whole, this character actor, I knew his whole job in every episode because when you think about character actors, character actors specialize in playing, you know, a, a certain kind of person. They specialize in a certain kind of role. Like there's the character actor who's the best friend whose job is to be killed after giving expository dialogue. Wait, but that means 
then that means they'll be coming after you and everybody you know because you witnessed the crime and you somehow found out the encryption key to that Swiss bank account they need. You're not safe anymore. And the friend gives all the expository dialogue and then, you know, then is found in a dumpster. There's uh, the character actor who is there just to be the sort of sidekick to the bad guy. And that character actor was always on like the A-team in the 80s and he'd be wearing a bad sport coat blazer. Um, this character actor, though, his job was to be the clearly guilty husband or uh, boyfriend or secret lover of somebody. And his whole job was to just be as unlikable as possible. So at like the end of the episode when Jimmy Smith and Andy Sipowitz would have him in a room beating him with a hose, it was sort of gratifying. It was a great sort of morality play for the audience. But this character actor, I know, looks exactly like Rod Blagojevich. So every time I see Blagojevich on television, I just I keep waiting for Dennis Franz to come in and start slamming his junk in a drawer. I mean, I'm, it's probably not going to happen. It'd be nice if it did. All right, uh, we'll get a couple calls. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, new news hour coming up here in just a few later on. Chris Paddock, Aaron Duran, multiple top fives, and amusements of all varieties. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey, sir. How's it going? What's up? Hello. Hey, okay, so here's how you get rid of your tree, Rick. Yes, sir. You just put it out on the yard debris day. They do charge you a little more for it, but you also have a deadline. And I, I kid you not, I literally just now I just had a waste management truck pass me with a tree hanging out of the top out of it. So I've missed. So today was probably the day. So I've missed my shot for today. Yeah, yeah. Today probably was. Well, it depends on. I'm in Northeast Portland right now, so it depends on what area you're in. I know they do it on different days for different areas or whatnot. So, so what's that now? Can I go? Like, is there a place I can go online to see if like when? Because I can't be the only hick in Southeast Portland who has yet to get rid of their Christmas tree. Well, yeah, that's probably true. Um, are you? Are you? Uh, hold on, let me. Are you shucking oysters? Well, while we're having this I'm phone sorry, call. I'm chewing gum. <laughs> that's really loud gum. Is your gum made out of glass? No, no, I have my earpiece in for my phone, and it just, like, seems to amplify everything. I, I could hear it right after you mentioned it. But um, uh, it depends on who does your trash sanitation needs. Uh, I would check their website. The gum Is somebody website. else chewing the gum for you? No, hold on. Here, Are you like Richard Keel? Do you have, like, metal teeth? It What's sounds that? like it sounds like the gum it sounds like the gum is breaking your teeth off like like right below the root or something. Really, I just took it out of my mouth too and spit it out. All right. I took the he headset off. Maybe it was the headset. You're sure you're sure it was gum, right? Like it wasn't a set of dice or something. No, I wasn't chewing on glass right, or anything. Okay. All right. So, uh, but I can go online and ask the city, like, hello, I am, I am, I am trash. How can I get rid of my Christmas tree? Yeah, exactly. Uh, whoever does your like your trash management, uh, yeah. just check their website, and they would probably have their deadline on it. Fantastic. All right, excellent. Uh, yeah. One more thing also. I think we had the same conversation last year. Probably, because I think every year I sort of like, every year I sort of forget about it. And here's the other thing. Like a lot of people, there's knowledge I only need like once or twice a year, and when I'm done with it, <laughs> flush it out of my brain. doesn't get archived oh, at all. Instead of filing it away for future efforts. That's what I'm saying. Well, because what would be the point of that, sir? Uh, you know, well, this is, for instance, right now. Well, I guess. All right, thank you. Yep, have a good one. Bye now. There you go. All right. And so forth. I'm not really one of those people that's bothered by the sound of chewing gum or, like, snapping gum or whatever, but it was just, it sounded almost painful. Like, it sounded, it sounded like you just had a mouthful of, uh, like, you had a mouthful of loose bicuspids that were just sort of rolling around. That didn't sound like normal gum chewing. No, it didn't. But do you ever know people that, do you ever know people that are really, uh, that get very, very um, agitated about the sound of gum chewing? Mm -hmm. I used to have a, um, when I used to work at this office, and there was there was me, there was, we were sort of a cubicle farm, and there was me and this 
other guy and a third guy. And the third guy was always popping his gum. Not like blowing bubbles, but you know where you like you kind of where it's like kind of a loud chewing where it's like kind of that. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of filtered it out. But like guy number two, it was like I would look over there and I'd just see his hand sort of closing around the stapler and you could tell that inside his brain there were all of these richly detailed fantasies about going over and bludgeoning that guy to death. The gum chewing thing but I will say this 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 actually it, it ties into something I I won't say I won't say I won't say who this was. Do it. There's uh someone at CBS Radio Portland. I'll just put it that way. There is somebody at CBS Radio Portland who who works uh, physically works very close to somebody else at CBS Radio Portland. And these people that I know. Yes, and this and this. Well, you've seen them anyway. And this and the somebody else at CBS Radio Portland. Makes a lot of really uh, loud and unpleasant bodily noises on an ongoing basis, and I won't I won't say anything I won't say anything else beyond that, I, because it would because then it, then the, then the cat will be then all will be known, um, the jig will be uh, the jig will be up at that point. Anyway, but this person came by my office and they said, you know, and it was sort of like an unprompted, unbidden, the uh, kind of like a venting because I think people know that in some way I am sort of like I am I am a receptacle for that. You can just sort of come by and you can vent right at me and mm-hmm. I'll kind of absorb it. I'm like, you know what it is? I'm like a sort of You store it and then you like write it in your little notepad and move on. And but I sort of take it from them. In other words, I'm kind of like a 21st century sin eater. Uh, but it, but it, but not for for sin so much as I'm a hate eater. And you can come by my office because people know that I hate a lot, and so it's like I, I know how to I know how to deal with it and cope with it. Mm-hmm. So people, if you hate something, people will know that they can come by and they can give their hate to me, and I will take it from them and I will deal with it. So this person comes by my office, stands in my doorway there without any sort of prompting, or just completely unbidden, says, and I wrote this down, Rick. There are a couple of sounds I despise. One of them is, and then they proceeded to describe this certain bodily noise that someone who works right near their desk makes on an ongoing basis all day long. And I guess they've said that they just sit there and they've considered buying headphones, they've considered buying earplugs, they've considered buying the noise canceling. Like a cough? I'm not going to say what it okay. was. I, I, because then it'll all be... But let's pick a bodily noise, for example. I'm not saying a this sneeze. is it. Let's say a sneeze, but let's not even say... Well, let me ask you this. Are there, is there a sound? It, it probably is a physical sound. Is there a certain physical noise or sound... That you just can't abide hearing. Yeah, uh, people um, filing their nails. Really? I I don't even know that I could. It makes me grind my teeth. It, it, I hate that sound. I don't even know that I would know what that sounds like. It's just like it's just this. Like, I wish scratching. I had a nail file. Oh. But I mean, can you even hear that? Well, you must be. Yeah, by you can. It's just like a. And oh, just thinking. Of, I don't know. Just thinking about it, like anything having to do with fingernails, really weirds me out. But not and so. But I mean, everybody likes nails on a chalkboard. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But you're talking about. Like if you're sitting, at, like if someone, if I'm at someone's house and they're just sitting there filing their nails, I can't be in the room. But you can actually hear it. It's you, not you watching it. it. I wish. I, I bet somebody here has a nail. I bet Sarah Wagner has a nail file. And is it? Is it, it is so unpleasant. Has it always been that yes, way? Yes, always. Uh, that's why I hated. Uh, I don't like getting like manicures and stuff because I hate it when they file your nails. Even when they like. Do you hate when you someone? Richie has. If one. someone else is filing your. Oh yeah. Richie, bring me the uh, nail file for a second. If someone else is, thank you. If someone else is filing your nails, in other words. Yeah, it's still I, I can't look. I, I'll just like. Look but you away. can hear it. 
I can hear it, but I just I just try to get it over with as quickly as possible. So if you're getting a manicure and the woman goes to file your nails, you can't look and you have to sort of just like white knuckle your way through mm. the procedure. Is it because do you have um have you had a fingernail issue or injury or some kind? In no. other words, is it like a no? It's just just thinking about these like I don't know, these long bits of nail being filed. Oh, it's just I I hate that noise. I hate it. All right, so hold on. So this is uh, you might want to. I don't. I'm not saying you have to listen. I'm just going to illustrate this noise for the people. And it depends I have on if it's a coarse or board. Oh, this is very coarse. It's very coarse. It's okay. very coarse. I mean, these the, the, these grains are the size of are the size of boulders here. Okay. All right, hold on. So this is the next sound you hear will be that of Rick Emerson filing one of his fingernails. Yeah, I don't like that. See, to me, I wouldn't even. I don't think sure. I could even pick that sure. sound out of a lineup. If you played that sound for me. And said what, like, if in other words, if that was a mystery noise, I don't think I would even be able to identify that. Oh, I, oh even just feeling it. What about if it's, a, if it's a file on something else? Like, what if I had that, what if I was a prisoner and I was filing down the bars No, that doesn't cell? bother me. It's just fingernails. Just, okay, let me ask you this. I'll say, see, this is the kind of thing I could talk about forever. You know I know why? you could. Because, well, you know why? Because it's one, because it's a rich vein of discussion on the show. It is another layer of Rick and Sarah's crazy. What if it's the, okay, well, let me ask you this. What about the sound of someone clipping their fingernails? Clipping doesn't bother. Just filing. Just filing. Just that scritching back and forth. Uh-uh. Okay, one more time. I got to just. Mm. Does it give it you. It sounds especially bad. It, it, it's even, it's not so bad with short nails when people have, it, I don't know, it makes the the sound worse. Like when they have long nails and uh-huh. you just hear some woman with like really long fingernails just. Okay. Going to town on them. All right. So this is uh, okay. So here's the thing that I can't. Then we'll take a break because otherwise we're going to sit here and talk about weird bodily uh, noises. Here's the one that I can't abide. This is the and I mean every, you know look I mean, your body makes noise. It's just your your body is an imperfect machine. Blame the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. So everybody's body makes noise. I'm not trying to be like um, you know more silent than now. There are all kinds of bodily noises you don't like go out of your way to hear. Like if a guy's going to belch like. Okay, you know, whatever. I mean, it's not like I, you know, I'd prefer not to hear it, but it doesn't doesn't really bother me all that much or, you know, flatulence or whatever. It's like I, okay, you know, I prefer that you do that in the privacy of what, you know, of, of your of your own home, but it's not like it, may, it makes me climb the walls. You know, the bodily noise that I can't take, and then we really do have to draw the line because otherwise it's, otherwise it's going to be then two hours of people actually calling up and making the noise on the phone. The noise that I cannot that I can't abide, and it just and it it makes my skin crawl, and I actually have to go sit in a quiet place and get away from it. It is, oh, and it makes me it makes it just makes freaks me out even to think about it. The noise that I can't take. It's not nail filing. It's not like uh, you know whatever. It's not like uh, hacking or something. The noise that I can't take. It is when. How do I put this? It is when. Someone has, um, it is when someone, uh, not unlike, let's say, Richie Bristol, and I'm not saying he did this, but I mean, it's like Richie comes in today, got kind of the cold symptoms, runny nose, whatever. It's when someone has, for whatever reason, the runny nose, and so they deal with it not by blowing their nose or getting a tissue. They deal with it by through their nose really loudly just sucking it all back up inside. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking I know about exactly too. Exactly what you're talking about. And it has about. that weird it has that weird sloshy it's, gurgle. Yeah, but also like this echo kind that, of. Exactly. That I cannot Oh, I dated someone who did that constantly uh, and no. it was just repulsive. No, it, see. Like breathing things are also really gross. Like anyone who snorts or like If I had been you know, the, 
Like, it, that, see, that's the noise. No, 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 no. That's oh, the noise yeah. right there. I did someone who did that constantly, and it was so gross. You dated someone who did that? Really? Uh-huh. Oh. All constantly. No, that would be, you know what, I, I would pull the ripcord, like, first date. No, and lots of lots of the nose breathing, and also, like, this uh, and throat clearing, but kind of stuttered throat clearing, like... <coughs> Almost like, like a Tourette's all, kind of a thing? All the time. Yeah. And it would just... It would throw me off kilter because I would be hearing all these noises. I'm like, what are you? No, and it's like, and there's, a, I, yeah, that that's a noise that I can't. And even in movies, if I'm watching it, there's a movie that I, uh, there's a movie that I quite like. But there's a scene about halfway through where one of the characters does that. He does the, and he like, but it's not even that. Like, that sort of sounds like a snore. You know what I'm talking about when he's got the nose full of goo and you just suck it all back up inside the nose. I can't. That I get off the, I get off the train right there. The Somebody did that on a date. Too. I know that uh, I know most boys do this, but when they like do that thing in the shower. Are you talking where you close one nostril and expel through the yes, other? Yes. Yeah, I can't. Can... No, nose things weird me out. Yeah. I don't know. You're... No, like just that like that kettle thing, the nose kettle thing. I would never be able to do that ever. Like when you pour the hot water. Into is it your because nose? the idea of something coming out of your nose yes, is something bu- about? I, I just don't want to know how it all connects. Now, see, but that's weird. It is so gross. I would not. Do that for like a hundred dollars. What do you mean you don't want to know how everything connects in your I nose? I don't want to know that if I put water up my nose, then it will come out the other side. That's odd. I mean, what is the? I mean, you know what? I'm not passing judgment. What is? Why does it weird you out? I don't. You know, there's so much space in the front of my head. But you, but know. you intellectually know that your nose is all connected to your I throat do. and your mouth. I you do. just don't like to. I'm, I'm scared of the way it might feel. Do you? Uh, do you? Are you uh, unnerved by the fact that there is a big sinus cavity? Yes. So you don't like the idea that there's a big space behind your nose? Mm-mm. Interesting. I hadn't really thought no, about I'd that. No, I'd never do that. Just thinking about doing one of those like nose kettle things. Have you ever um uh, have you ever had a sinus infection? No. Oh, see, here's why you don't want to have a sinus infection. And then we have to quit because now we're just talking about nose things, which is <laughs> now we see now we're doing that thing where we're taking the we are embracing the thing that that terrifies us. Here's why you don't want to have a sinus infection. If you ever get a sinus infection, uh, like the one I had a couple years ago, the problem is you start to get this uh, headache kind of, it's a headache sort of in your face, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, like sometimes you'll get a headache and people go, I've got this headache and it's kind of right behind my eyes. Or you'll say, I got a headache and it's right above, it's right in my temples. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get a headache and it is sort of like in your face a little bit. That's usually a sinus headache. And it's it's because your sinus cavity is just like, it's it's like filled with crap. Oh God! Stop! No, no, no. And so the final thing about that is, so I go to the doctor, and I said, yeah, I got this weird headache, and my eyes are kind of uh, my vision's a little blurry. And she said, hmm, okay. And she goes, what I want you to do is uh tilt your head from left to right really quickly three or four times. And I went, okay. And I went <clears throat> tilted my head back and forth like I was a bobblehead three or four times. And she says, okay, now is there a um. Is there a sloshing sensation when you do that? And I said, by God, there is a sloshing sensation. And it all turned out to be, you know, it all turned out for the best because she said, oh, good, because the sloshing sensation, you know, she said, otherwise I thought it would be a tumor. And so it wasn't a tumor, but it was, in fact, my head filled with slosh. That is so wrong. It really is. All right, let's see. And now now you're making all weird coughing noises. See, now it's uh, it's my karma. All right, we should take a break now. Okay. Come back after this. Uh, uh, we would go to the news desk where the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program returns. Coming up later on, uh, Chris Paddock will be here with the top five songs from a film montage. Aaron Duran with the top five video game theme songs. More of your phone calls. And Steve Kastenbaum, don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there.
By the way, just like FYI, so we were talking about uh, sort of bodily noises, and I mean the less obvious bodily noises that just drive you crazy. The person at CBS who works in close proximity to somebody who makes off-putting noises all day long emailed me and is all but demanding that I out the person on the air. Not going to happen just because that would cause awkwardness, but I, pre- I appreciate the attempt. Is it so specific that the person would know? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes, it is, Sarah. <laughs> Uh, so we're, we won't do that, but I understand that. How about this one? And then we'll have to we'll have to move on here. Uh, this email is from Jenny. Jenny says, um, subject line: I work with a girl who burps out loud all day long. I want to kill her. Rick, we're professional people here at her uh, place of business. We have people with lots of money strolling through our business at any given time. There is one girl that sits, not in an office, but in the cubicle farm, and she burps about a hundred times a day. Really? Out loud, and not quietly either. I sit about 20 feet from her in an office with a door, and I can still hear her. At one point, I became so enraged, I went to my manager and sarcastically said, since it's okay for her to belch wherever she feels like it, I'm just going to start strolling around here, expelling flatus out loud. I mean, you can't stop her, so you can't stop me either. I mean, it's all gas anyway. I'm sure the clients won't mind. My boss just laughed and told me to go back to my office. I want to kill the burper girl almost daily. I fantasize about smashing her face in with a phone or a chair or a computer keyboard. Signed, Jenny. And by the way, there's no, like, don't use my name on the air, so I hope I haven't just uh, caused any sort of awkwardness anywhere. Uh, it is uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, we will uh, begin the uh, news segment of the day's broadcast here in just a moment. As you know, we have a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional uh, Tim Riley, and today is no exception. So joining us today uh, will be former editor of LivePDX.com, Liz Hummer. She will join the show in just a second. Um, I want to read this one other thing, and then, and, we, and then we'll plunge on, because then I can sort of close all of this stuff out. Okay. This is the email I was trying to find that I had printed, but then my email accounts, it was like they had all conspired like Cyberdyne Systems style to to get rid of it. This is from, let's see, this is from Dan. Dan sent this to me last night. Rick, tonight while, this is from last night, tonight while cleaning my garage, I had my television on KGW Live. Stephanie Strickland and Matt Zafina were interviewing a guy at a gadget fair in Los Angeles. I think I heard Stephanie Strickland say, quote, Bring me some of that stuff home because I'm a gadget whore. Have you got any other emails about this, or is my hearing gone? The show sounded a little awkward after that statement. Maybe just wishful thinking. Thank you, best show ever, uh, since Tim got booted. Well, it's what we do, sir. So there you go. And, and I don't know, because I wasn't watching it. He sent us about uh, 11.15 last night. So he says that... He, now, I'm not saying this is the case. Perhaps she didn't say this. But he, he just says that in in his estimation... Stephanie Strickland on KGW said something a lot like, bring me some of that stuff home because I'm a gadget whore. <laughs> so if you can confirm or, uh, or refute this, you know, you just uh, let us know. One call, then we start the news. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. I had a couple things on those noises. One thing in the morning that my boss does that I cannot stand is he does this clicking noise with his tongue while he's trying to find the address for me. Drives me Freaking nuts. And so when you so you were talking about this sort of placeholder noise that somebody does with their tongue whenever they are processing or searching for information, sort of a... Exactly. 
exactly. That but right there. for some reason, with his phone, it sounds like my ears up to a piece of glass, and somebody's tapping on it with a hammer on the other end. Not unlike when that guy uh, called up earlier today, and he was just chewing right. gum, but it sounded like he had a mouthful of marbles he was crushing. <laughs> exactly right. Another thing I was going to say, uh, my wife, when she sneezes, I think she yells before she sneezes, and that surprised me as well. She yells before she sneezes? What do you mean? That's what I think it is. She's saying she's just sneezing, but it's like the loudest sneeze I have ever heard. And I try and deal with it as best I can, but it's so frustrating. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah. See, and the thing about it is, these noises, they are like the sort of, it's like the Chinese water torture of, right. of you know, because it's not just something, it's not just something big and obvious and gross, like somebody vomiting, which is like, okay, it's there and it's sure. done and, you know, whatever. It's, these are the things that are like a thousand little paper cuts on, on your soul and your ears and your sanity. <laughs> Like the guy who's going to, like, you know, and we've we've all worked with this guy, too. Have you worked with this guy? The guy who is a compulsive uh, throat clearer. And oh, you yeah. don't know if he actually just has some sort of a weird Wonka factory of phlegm inside of him that's constantly creating it. <laughs> yeah. Or if it's just, or if it just becomes a nervous tick at a certain point. Like, <clears throat> You yeah, know, and, uh, and, and, you know, and, like, the first time, you know, third time. But by the 700th time... You right. have reached one of two places within yourself. You either reach the place of you're just zen with it and you almost don't notice, or you ponder almost daily how difficult it would be to cut his brake lines. <laughs> exactly right. right. Well, no right. doubt. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's oh. also bad when you're dating someone who snores or who, like, sleeps with their mouth open and just, like, the loudest snoring noises. Oh, you mean like snoring with the mouth open so it resonates? Yeah, snoring with the mouth open, like, you know, like in through the nose, out through the mouth, just, like, the loudest noise. I, I hate it when people snore because uh, I'm such a light sleeper anyway. Okay, one. Here's what we're doing. We're not going to do one more. We're, we're going to uh, we're going to welcome Liz Hummer to the show, and then we'll fold some of these thoughts in because otherwise it's yeah. going to be just a cavalcade of. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show. And I was going to read this, but it's it, but I think I've I think I've. I'm sorry. This is uh, Liz. You can speak. There's a microphone in front of you. No, I was going to say that I actually couldn't read this word. So, what California? What is the name of this? Davis. Davis, California. All right. So, uh, but born in Davis, California, here in Portland, of course, recently the editor of LivePDX.com. Um, until when did when did that all when did that cease to be the case? Liz? Oh, the axe fell on October 30th. October 30th. That's pretty recently then. Yeah, but it feels like forever ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're sort of between uh, when you're between assignments, is they say on the beach uh, is the phrase they use uh, in radio at least when you're kind of between gigs time does this weird thing where it slows down and speeds up oh it's both all at once yeah where you kind of wake up and it's like 11 15 and go i gotta, gotta look for a job i feel like i should have done a lot in the last yeah. two and a half months but at the same time it's gone by so fast well you know the strange thing about being laid off around the holidays is that it is sort of it is like the best of times the worst of times because on the Absolutely. one hand no one likes to be fired, you know, right before Christmas or whatever, because then, you know, it's just a whole pile of bad. Everybody knows that. The other thing about it, though, is you almost appreciate it because you feel like you're kind of exempt from having to get your, your S together. I kind of used it as an excuse. Yeah. And went traveling around. Good for awesome. you. See? So, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you can kind of say, well. I figured no one was really working all that hard anyway, so I wasn't missing on, out on any opportunities. And nobody and nobody expects you to really be doing anything around the holidays. Regardless, I have a, right. my friend... Uh, uh, my friend Cheryl, who was actually uh, you know laid off from CBS uh, around the same time, very beginning of December, mm -hmm. was talking to her about something last night, and and uh, and I said, so you know what else is going on? She goes, well, nothing. She goes, I, uh, you know, I kind of just ran out the clock to the end of the year because really, who, it's the holidays. Screw it. And I was like, you know what? Well done. So. That's 
exactly what I did. But now it's January 10th already. And so now the now the question is sort of the what what do I do now? Yes. And um, so now are you uh, what is what is your what is your uh, what is your background? I mean, are you a journalist by uh, by trade or by by education? I suppose by passion more than anything. Uh, went to, I went to Lewis and Clark, and it's a liberal arts school, so it's not like they trained you to do the day-to-day job. So it but, wasn't like they weren't they weren't training you to work on an assembly line somewhere. Right, exactly. Of... It's much more theoretical. <laughs> but uh, but internships. So they don't really train you. Like you might not actually be trained to go find news. You might be trained to sort of sit quietly and think about the I nature. I think they analyze the media wonderfully, but it was definitely a crash course in learning to create it. See, analyzing the media, and see, the, you could actually probably get a job doing that somewhere because really, it's not just for VH1 anymore. About fifty percent of news channels. About 50% of their programming is just people sitting around analyzing the other 50% of the programming. Yes. And they'll say, earlier today we had a story about Rob Bogoyevich now discussing media bias and whether or not it affects reporters and their coverage of this case <laughs> is our own David Gergen. And then David Gergen just comes on and goes, well, Anderson, I believe that uh, some of the bias is showing through in what the media chooses to highlight. There you go. Get a job talking it's about It's easy to be a talking head, I guess. Let me. I do not even. Sometimes you don't have to be a head. I'm really just a talking mouth to people. They're the head. They don't even really see the head. So, um, as we get ready to to, to actually to, to get into some of the news here today, it would be unfair of me not to ask if you have uh, bodily noises that drive you crazy. I have to agree with Sarah on the snoring. Oh, actually, I'm really sensitive to all of them. The snorting, the nail filing. The, the, um, so the nail filing bugs you too if somebody's I just, just walk sort of... around with earplugs in all the time. Uh, just... I usually sleep with earplugs in, even yeah. though, even though it's silent. Like I still have to because yeah, noises wake me up. Here's the thing about the about the snoring. Um, first of all, my wife, thank God, doesn't snore. What she does do though is this. My I, my wife has this weird thing uh, that she does. Not all the time. It's just an occasional thing. And it's one of those things that you think maybe only happens to you or that like like you're the only one who notices this noise, but probably not. The only way I can describe it is when you're sleeping, uh, you know, she breathes in and out of, because I've actually, when she's asleep, I've actually sort of, I've actually, I know this sounds weird, but I've actually sort of like woken up and then just sort of like, Studied it. Le- yeah, exactly. I was- Thank you, Liz. Um, you're you're going to do splendidly because you cut right <laughs> to the chase. Yes, I've actually just sort of watched her sleep to, to see where the noise is coming I've from. I've done that too. Because you want to know, like, what in his head is making that sound? No, and it's, it's still, and then you start like shaking the bed to try and get them to stop doing it, or like, Dude. kind of nudge them, and or try. I'll like. But get to the point where you just kind of accidentally slam into them until totally. they stop, and then it stops for a few seconds and then starts again. Mm-hmm. See, stop it. And the thing about being married is you no longer have to be. You can just give the full-on shove. You can just, like, elbow yeah, in the don't back. you not be polite anymore. No, right. just, you know, just this arm to the spine. You're doing you that thing. No. Okay. <laughs> no but, I don't, but I'm not usually polite anyway. Well, there you go. So. so my wife does this thing sometimes when she sleeps where she will inhale and then she'll exhale. It's all through the nose. But when she does it, it's like... One nostril kind of like closes up a little bit. So then when she exhales, it doesn't whistle. But when she exhales, there's like this little like sound, or like a little popping sound almost. I'm sure she appreciates that. Is that her other nostril like opening? Yeah, exactly. I think that's what it is. And I think it's like when, I hate to use this word, it's like when one of your nostrils is kind of sticky, moist. I was going to say moist, <laughs> sticky, yes. But you know what I mean? And then it's sort of, yeah, like the, like the passage kind of like. You know, the two sides of the nose touch, the passage of it kind of closes up. And then when she breathes out, though, the passages of the nose open up again, but there's kind of like a... And it's and I will sit there, and it's like, 
it you get that weird uh, rage that only comes at one in the morning when someone is making a noise that won't let you sleep, and you really do start to consider like, all right, now there's a shallow. There's a shallow ditch probably somewhere around here where nobody would find the body for quite some time. I had to share a hotel room in Vegas with Clyde Lewis one Clyde, time. Uh, and Clyde Lewis was a friend of ours who was a great guy. Uh, at the time, was kind of a large man. And so he would have that he would have that resonant snoring that only that only accompanies the large thorax. I know it well. And it echoes. And you know what I'm talking about yes. then. And it's at that frequency that cuts through walls, through yeah. earplugs. We shared this hotel room in Vegas, which in retrospect was just like the worst idea on the face of the earth. I mean, it was just bad. It was like concentric layers of hell. And But at a certain point, I finally, I think I actually just stood up and I just said, F it! And I went and I slept in the bathtub. I took all of the bedding and I put it in the bathtub and I turned on. I left the light off, but I turned on the fan and I shut the door and I ran the water and then also slept in the bathtub. Ugh. And I swear to God, I could still hear it. You do start to fantasize about murder. You oh, really yeah. do, because it, it, it never stops. Like, you think that you, you jostle, and it's like, okay, it's finally quiet. And then all of a sudden, it starts again. Yeah. Oh, all right. crazy me. we got to be quiet. Uh, all right, Sarah, shall we uh, shall we break. begin the news, or do you want to break? We'll come back <laughs> and we'll reset. We'll start with this. All right, we've introduced Liz. So, Liz, I'll tell you what, we'll take a break. We'll come back, Great. and uh, we will, uh, now that we've gotten all the Fleming and popping and sneezing and whatever. Uh, we will come back. We will begin uh, today's segment of the news with uh, Liz Hummer, former editor of LivePDX.com. Coming up later on, Chris Paddock, Aaron Duran, your phone calls, and Steve Castamon. Don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970. Still to come, Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Uh, we'll have the top five songs from a film montage. And then uh, the 2 o'clock hour. We're going to go two different top fives today. 2 o'clock hour, Aaron Duran will be here uh, with the top five video game theme songs uh, of all time. So as you know, uh, through most of December and uh, you know, going through into 2009, uh, we've had a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. And today is no different. Uh, former editor at uh, PDX Magazine. That was before. And LivePDX.com. Liz Hummer at the News Desk. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Hello, Liz. Hello. How are you today? Thanks for having me. Not at all. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Well, in honor of my roommate who um, loves weird news, I'm going to kick it off with a bang today. Uh... The man who designed Barbie and Ken was a kinky swinger with a manic need for sexual gratification, according to an explosive new book. Jack Ryan, whose wives included Hollywood actors Zsa Zsa Gabor, surrounded himself with busty Barbie clones and threw wild orgies at his luxurious Bel Air, California mansion. Best story we've ever had. Are we really surprised by this? No, no. <laughs> no I'm, just, I'm just busy making notes about the things uh, that I want to talk about. For, was his name Jack Ryan? Absolutely. His name was Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Isn't Jack Ryan the Tom Clancy guy? The, isn't it's Jack Ryan the Harris, Harrison Ford character? All right. Excellent. 
he also he also uh, developed Hot Wheels and Chatty Cathy, but uh, apparently Barbie was his favorite. So the guy who created Barbie, there's so much here that I want to talk about. So the guy who created Barbie also created Hot Wheels. Which yeah, I well, he know. was a big exec at Mattel. I so see. Okay. All right, and so, so he was. All right, so he created Barbie and Ken, and he was a sex-obsessed swinger. Right, and uh, it says he was a fan of wife swapping, uh, high-class call girls, and streetwalkers, swingers parties. I mean, it was the 70s. The list just sort of goes so on. And it goes on. from high-class call girls to streetwalkers. <laughs> yeah. Now I had, well, different taste. Well, here's why that's creepy because I mean. You know, whatever. Rick Emerson is not a prude, so I don't really care. Uh, but I, I, not, am I wrong in, in thinking that Barbie was, in fact, named after his daughter? Yeah, you are right in a way. They were named after the children of Mattel founders. So not his children, but someone's children. Oh, that's completely creepy. Is he? So this isn't a book? Like, he didn't admit this. this yeah, it looks like there's a, there's a new book uh, called Toy Monster, The Big Bad World of Mattel. All right, then. He went to Yale and everything. He's well, pants. you know, an Ivy League education he is... Uh, he's still a man, Liz, let me yes. tell you. So. Uh, and it gets a little bit uh, more interesting at the bottom that... Uh, so to it. speak. Yeah. <laughs> Ken was uh, modeled after a closeted gay man. No, that's hard to believe. I'm astounded by that. I know, this whole story is... Well, that's like the guy who... Uh, I forget his name, but that's like the guy who created Wonder Woman. Uh, the guy who created the character of Wonder Woman... Um, was in this polyamorous relationship where it was him and his wife and another woman that he and his wife were both, you know, married to or whatever. Um, but then, of course, he liked to be tied to a chair and just beaten senseless. Uh, and so, you know, by these big Amazon women, which is great. And so, I mean, you know, whatever. And so, uh, but then when you, when you look at Wonder Woman and it is, you know, about a woman who has these sort of uh, bracelets, which I think we all know are really manacles, uh, and she's got a rope that she uses to tie men up until they tell the truth. Ah, uh, I'd never even thought about totally. that. Totally. No, it's like, it's, and she's got boots that, like, go, I mean, she's got, like, legs to her chin. She's got mm-hmm. boots. And they're, that like, go, wicked, yeah, like, past her knees. Oh, yeah. And so she's like, I'm going to tie you up with this rope until you tell me what I want to hear, which is clearly, I've been a bad little boy, <laughs> uh, you know, or whatever. So that's Well, fantastic. Barbie is, you know, the, the extreme ideal fantasy in many ways so it's not surprising. well they do that story and this like a bike once a year there'll be some uh you know there'll be some sort of Gloria Steinem type that will come out with an analysis of what Barbie would look like were she a real yeah. human being and it's always right. like some weird like disproportionate freak of a woman exactly. um and so and also this you uh, you all are uh, with the X chromosome let me ask you <laughs> is it true because I suspect that it is uh, I had somebody tell me one time that, typically speaking, uh, that women, when they're younger, with girls, that almost always go through some stage where it's like you have your Barbie doll, you have your Ken doll, but then you have them doing, like, incredibly perverse things. True? False? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Liz says without hesitation. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask if, like, you, I, well, like, you cut off all house. their hair and stuff. And... Did you cut off your Barbie's hair? Yeah. Was that what you disobeyed? You? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, all girls did. Really? I think so. Did she start a dog walking service? I had service? more gem dolls than Barbie dolls, though. All right. Why did, kind of... Was it to make her like a punk? No, it's just to be experimental. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. creative. All right. So, but now, uh, so you, but you had your dolls play the house or some? Uh, they went on dates, and you know, you sort of wonder what that means at that age. And so you were kind of uh, using them as proxies <laughs> to kind of puzzle out. Uh, <laughs> how is it that? What is love? And... Well, I was always told that I was. I was the first to know about sex in first grade and share it with all my friends. Now you were told this by who? Um, my memories are of being told by my neighbor girl, who's 
whose moms were lesbian and so therefore more open with her, mm-hmm. I suppose. And so, that, but the girl kind of like explained to you like it, uh, how everything, you know, when, when two people hug each other in a special way. I thought belly buttons had something to do with it, but you know, <laughs> that was not the case. Okay, my friend has a kid, this just reminded me of this horrible story that she was telling me yesterday. My friend has a kid who's four, four or five, uh-huh. and they were watching Pretty Woman, and there was this, and it got to the part where... You know, I haven't. And keep in mind, I've seen that movie once uh, because I had to, and well, it was like twenty years. Well, ago. you know, she's she's a prostitute, and so yeah. she's entertaining the young gentleman. Yes. Uh, I think I can say this on the air. Let's find out. All right, and uh, and he's watching it. And they're watching the sex scene. You know. Yeah. I'm gonna believe that. You think? I'm gonna believe that. Okay. Everybody online heard that. Um, but he doesn't. But he has no idea. You know. Let's back up for a second. What you didn't hear. And again, you know, that is probably something we could have let go. It is a sociological uh, and medical discussion. Um, so th- your friend is watching Pretty Woman with a boy who is about four, four and a half. Yeah, she just told me this story yesterday. And during the sex scene, the boy noted that... Um, do you remember that story we had yesterday about a friend of mine and uh, her daughter said kind of creepily at bedtime one time, the daughter said... Mommy, the moon makes me feel funny, which is like all kinds of freaky. Um, this was the boy said something like that, uh, but it wasn't the moon making him feel funny. It was the sex scene, and it only made a specific part of him feel funny. But he was genuinely confused by it. Yeah, well, it Completely is completely innocent. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's looked over and he's just like, "Hey, guys." Uh, hey, um, uh, yeah. Well, that uh, okay. Wow. I, Sorry, I didn't mean to have to get down. No, it's not that. It's just, I mean, it just raises, like, I'm so glad. I just uh, I just found out there's, there's somebody we work with has found out that he's he's going to have a kid and whatever. And I, oh, Chris. And, uh, what? Chris Tate? No. Oh, no, they, I think his wife's pregnant. Well, we were, I mean, somebody, but we were talking but, uh, about, you know, all of that stuff. And he and he found out, that, you know, the, the, you know what the sex of the baby was going to be. And, and you, know, with, you know, whether it's boy or girl, you sort of start looking ahead. I mean, even if you don't have kids, when you find out that somebody's going to have a boy or somebody's going to have a girl, you in your head start thinking through everything that's on the horizon for mm-hmm. them. And I think they both, you know, both genders come with, like, their own sort of, you know, batch of problems and opportunities and whatever. And... And just having, I mean, having a boy in some ways is, having a boy in some ways is like, it's like having a car that only has about four moving parts. So there's not a lot to fix, but you, but it's also a car in which one of the moving parts is not a brake. Like there is no brake and the car goes a thousand miles an hour just like by barely touching the accelerator. So with boys, it's like boys aren't very complex. There's not a lot going on there underneath the hood. I mean, on, they're pretty. On or off switch. <laughs> exactly. But the but the problem is is that it takes forever uh, for the on and off switch to kind of ever like get any sort of if you have any control over it. It becomes uh, you know it becomes an on off switch that really it becomes almost like a clapper where if you make the wrong combination of noises, switch goes on and then it just takes forever to get a show back off. Haven't you ever heard that saying where if you have a boy, you only have to worry about one penis, and if you have a girl, you have to worry about all of them? I haven't, but. That is true. Wow. Man. All right. Well, let's uh, move can on. Can I say the word penis just one more time? I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on with me today. I never... I think I speak for the male to 1844 demographic, Sarah, when I say you can say penis as many uh, times as you like. I'm just trying to answer the question. Uh, once again, with the news, uh, Liz Hummer. Perfect segue. Uh, we're going to do a little job watch. Here is your job watch for Friday. Yeah, we're going to get the uh, depressing news out of the way. That today, the unemployment rate hit a 16-year high. 
7.2%. And that's not just only an, fitting coming from me. Then that's not just in Oregon, right? That's that's Nationally. nationwide. Uh, I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's if it's above or below that in in Oregon. Do you know what it is? by chance you know what it is in Oregon? I don't, but I mean I don't it's not that. I mean I was just I just out of curiosity more than anything else. I would imagine that it's slightly lower than that here. Uh you know, the Oregon isn't hasn't it always had sort of a higher unemployment rate than other you know, I don't know. Maybe because it might be the case, actually, because so much of the work here is is maybe not seasonal as such. But, I mean, the timber industry is still, uh, you know, still very big here. And that is to some degree, I think, uh, you know, a, I think to some degree that's an industry that fluctuates throughout the year. So I don't know. So we're okay, anyway. So we're at seven point seven point two point two nationally. Um, oh, here we go. Oh, I can't find the number on there. But that that uh, comes because we've lost 2.6 million jobs in 2008, with uh, 1.9 million in just the past four months. Jesus, that's so, insane. And that's uh, the most since 1945. Since 1945? Yes. It is depressing. However, when I got in here this morning, I had an email from MoveOn.org that also followed up that news with the fact that Obama just laid out a stimulus plan that. Is very ambitious. Well, I think the stimulus plan. I mean, I get the feeling. I don't really. I, I really only know what Anderson Cooper and Candy Crowley tell me. Like that's it. I mean, <laughs> if they can't put it in the, the, the thirty seconds between like you know endless Gaza news and like that thing he does at the end where he shows a cute animal picture, then I don't really know about it. But I get like the, my read on it is that he's doing kind of this like it's like a New Deal kind of a thing where it's a yeah. lot of public works programs. Green. And, the infrastructure yeah. and whatever, which is fine because maybe the, you know maybe they'll actually like fix the road in front of my house. So I'm you know I'm for whatever I'm for whatever gets rid of this pothole the size of Lake Erie that's been like by my driveway for the better part of three years. You know whatever takes care of that, Rick Emerson is in favor of it. Hey, if that creates jobs too, all <sighs> yeah. the better. I mean, and it's you know and well I'm, you know all of us here work in the you know work in the media and you of course were just you know laid off at, at, at live PDX and we've had. You know, people we had the people you know here from from television, from radio, from print, and it's you know the media is really going through what they call a transitional stage hmm. at the moment. But what was it? So let's talk for a minute about uh, while we're in this job watch about live PDX, which was it was you know it was or or is sort of a um, you know it is an online guide to Portland and culture and life and happenings and, and whatever. Yeah, it was an ambitious idea, definitely uh, to be a city guide. Uh, so with listings and uh, event calendars, just one stop shopping to search for whether it's a restaurant or what's happening at Doug Fur this weekend or whatever, right, right. but also to have articles, restaurant reviews, interviews with bands, um, and videos, right. and blogs. So there were many levels of information, um, and that's a lot of content to put in. But it was a challenge that I was excited to, to accept. Um, I, I think maybe... It was just a little too ambitious for the resources. Do you think that, that they that were, were just, available at the time? They were kind of biting off maybe just more than they more than they could chew. Trying to optimistic ask, and yeah, you know. And I mean, I guess I guess there's something to be said for the nothing ventured, nothing gained uh, theory. But did you, if I can ask, did you? I mean, did you kind of did you know it was coming? Did you sense that something was brewing? Uh, not really. No, it was uh, kind of surprising. And so you just, well, and also the idea uh, that. My job was to fill the site with content. Right. So where is the content going to come from if I wasn't there? 
Uh, and it, so was it was it kind of just a, did they I mean, I don't know in radio there's and we fortunately were the, were the you know exception to this uh, in in early December when um, Tim Riley was our news director was laid off. They were, you know, they were the, the very uh, epitome of grace about it. And Tim was, you know, we came on, we did a farewell show and whatever, which oh. in radio is just unheard of. I mean, it never you never, ever, ever get the chance to say goodbye. Escorted out of the building usually. Escorted <laughs> out of the building. Yes. It's almost like you've worked in radio, Liz. Um <laughs> In radio, typically you are you are escorted out of the building, uh, and it's always after you've gotten off the air. Sometimes, if not always, on a Friday, and the, the, you get done, you wrap it up. Hey, everybody, you see you on Monday. Thanks for listening. And you get done, and you finish, you go, and then there's a guy kind of standing in the hallway, and he says, "Hey, um, hey, we need to talk to you for just a second. You come up, uh, you know, come up to the office. That's great. Yeah, we'll." Um, no, if you can do it, and your law was like, well, hey, I'm gonna go to lunch, and they can. No, no if you can, no. it, yeah, we we kind of need to do this now, and that's usually when you get the sort of like, ah, hell no, kind of feeling. Yeah, and usually the way it works in radio is you will finish out uh, the day, and then they'll say, hey, by the way, that was your last show, and uh, here's your check, and uh, get out, you know, and then, yeah. and in TV, I think it was the same. Was it was it Dave Schmidtke that was telling us about the. He well, was the guy Dave was, the... was laid off the same day as me. We worked in the same building. Really? Yes. See, I didn't know that. was owned by Meredith Corp, which owns uh, Fox 12. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. And 49. Okay, see, so it was... So, we we went through the same thing on the same day, just at a different time. Okay, so you it, it, so it was sort of a... They, they kind of staggered it throughout the uh, throughout the morning and afternoon. They did. Um, and, I mean, is that is that something where... I mean, was it was somebody appears at your desk or where you get the email like meeting in my office 2.30? Uh, no, just an appearance at the desk. Uh, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure. Walk in the room with HR and right, right. a big wig and you know something is not good. I mean, anytime, I mean, anytime you walk in and there's a certain combination of people in the room, yeah. uh, that's why, and I mean, I know it's, you know, you. I say this, and you know, it's. I'll put it this way. I think at most, we're lucky here at CBS. Again, and the, the our HR department is actually really, really great. They're really cool. They're very. It, you know, it's, they were great. I mean, you know, and it, because it's you know, you know it's a For tough, it it's, was. A, it's, yeah. a, it's a tough racket, you know, because I'm sure, you know, look, I know they still got a job, so it's, you know, boo-hoo. But, I mean, it, you know, nobody wants to be the guy who's just going from office to office, you know, throughout the year going, uh, you and you and you. Grim Reaper. And you, yeah, yeah, I need to speak all, so I need to speak with you all in 10-minute increments, please. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like they were gracious about it. I know it, when he, when Dave was telling us when he got the, uh, fired at coin some time back, mm. it was just like a massive house cleaning all in one day. And to the extent, that, and they had it so orchestrated that when they were done, and it was like 30 people in one day, wow. and they had a line of taxis already waiting outside the coin <laughs> tower. He said that you would, and it was like, an, it was like a firing. Totally, yeah, it was like Henry Ford's, you know, firing, where there would be one guy that handed you the pink slip, one guy that handed you the check, one guy that handed you the... The thing where you sign it, promising not to sue the company, probably, and then you would walk out, and there was a line of cabs waiting to take everybody home. So, and it probably wasn't 30 people when it happened. Uh, I think it was a dozen yeah. that day, but it was, uh, it was. Mm, we need to get you out of the office now. Wow. Well, because I, um, I was bike commuting. Right. At, so, uh, in Beaverton. And there was no way to take a box of my things home on my bike. Oh. Uh. So I said, well, you know, I can call someone to get a ride. Um, no, I really need to go now. Wow, oh, really? Oh, Are you kidding you? me? <laughs> that, that is... So a... how close... So when they told you and then when you had to leave, how much... What was the timeline I think I was out of there in half an hour. Just long enough to do the paperwork and to do the, uh, you know, just... And throw my things in a box. Did they provide the box at least? Yes. 
Do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder where the boxes come from? Like, is there some subdivision of HR? I just like have a hard closet? time finding it. I mean, there yeah. There weren't many available. Well, they probably used them all on the previous round of layoffs. Yeah. Uh, I've done that, but here's here's uh, and then we'll, and we'll continue with some news. Here's my uh, here's my box story. About uh, everyone needs a box story oh, here's in, the, and, in their career. Well, you know, and the thing is, like, I got to tell you. I have gotten to the point now in radio, and again, you know, CBS has been, you know, I mean, all things all things considered, CBS has been a very stable, very great place. I mean, they've been, you know, largely sheltered from a lot of the ills that have hit the rest of the, the radio industry. But I've gotten to the point in radio where it takes me so long to even decorate my office, the studio. I mean, I think we were in, I think we were here like a full year before I wanted to hang a single thing on the wall. Because so many times I've gotten screwed with like, mm-hmm. well, it looks like I can settle in. Let me hang up my framed, you know, and as like I'm jinxing it, and <laughs> yeah, and as I'm driving the nail, some guy appears in the office. To, hey, uh, if anyone should ask, um, tell them you're fired. Get out. <laughs> uh, so, but I've started to decorate the office. But even now in my office, uh, if you go to my office right now, you will look and you will see stashed behind uh, one of my speakers that goes to my stereo. I actually have all my boxes, and they're folded up. They're flat. You know how, like, boxes, you can flatten them down? I have a bunch of boxes that are actually flattened and stashed behind a speaker in my office right now. So if at any given moment the, uh, you know, the, the whip comes down, ready to go in Rick Emerson's ready to go on his own schedule. Because there was, I got fired in, uh, in 2000. I had a radio job here in Portland. And I got off the air, and it was me and my uh, me and my kind of de facto co-host. We get off the air, we walk out of the studio, and there's two guys standing there, two guys from management. And guy number one says, um, "Okay, hey Rick, uh, I need to talk to you for a few minutes in my office." And meanwhile, Clyde, uh, you're going to talk to a separate guy in a separate office down the hall at the same time. Let's go. And that's kind of when you realize, right? And they had actually timed this. This sounds like a made-up radio story, but they had timed it. So badly, they had bungled this so, like, to such an extent that the person who was going to replace me was already there in the office, literally in the lobby. And to get to the the office of the guy who was going to let me go, you had to walk past the lobby and the receptionist and the replacement radio show. It was uh, kind of a whole crew of like a zoo of people. And you knew? Oh no, I walked by and I'm like, "Who's that? That's well, I guess I'll find out." And then it was the people. And then I go into the office. Oh, yeah, that's exactly okay. what it was. And I go into the office, and he lets me know that I'm fired, and a new show is starting the next day, because this is on a Thursday. And I walk out, and sure enough, that's who it was. I had to walk by my replacement on the way to be fired and on the way from being fired. And you win. then the guy comes up, uh, you know, and he stands behind me at my desk, and he goes, so, you know, you'll need to get your things taken care of. And I, and I said, well, look, you know, I got a lot of stuff. Can I, uh, you know, can I can I, can I have this later? And he actually said the same thing. He goes... He goes, uh, no, you know, we really need to make this happen. That's why I called my wife and I said, hey, uh, how's your day going? Don't answer yet. Hey, I'm jobless. And she says, you know, I'm sorry, whatever. And and, uh, she says, well, come downtown and pick you up in a few minutes. And so they wanted me out of the office like then, like the instant the stuff was in the box, they wanted me out. Yeah. And so I got my stuff and I'm taking the sad elevator down. And this is downtown, like on the, it was like, like my camera world, like fifth and, you know, Alder, fifth and Washington. There's a coffee people that was there at the time. And so I'm. And it's like, and here's the thing, and it's like the universal symbol for fired guy. Yeah. I am standing on the street corner holding a big cardboard box, and it's like you can see like, you can see like a calendar and a pen and pencil set like sticking out of the top <laughs> of it, right? And it doesn't matter, like any city in the world, you see a guy holding yeah. a box with a calendar sticking out of the top, that guy's been fired. It's pretty much the symbol for the past 
Yeah. For months so, or whatever it's been. Yeah. Um, so as we go on, we'll kind of make sure that people have your contact info and all of that. But we'll continue with the news here. But I, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, it's. I think it's everybody's got their own their own story because a lot of people are going through this right now. Well, so. it's certainly nice to know you're not alone. That's one part of it, and then you realize that there are that many more people out there competing for that one job that's available. That's and actually it's a double-edged sword. What, well, what's it like in the in the um? I mean, I know what it's like in radio. Where in radio there has always been. A lot of there's always been a lot of competition in radio, you know, mm-hmm. not not a lot of people for a very few jobs, just like in anything that in the entertainment industry. What's it like in, sort of in the either journalism or online media world um, in Portland? Yeah, there's not a lot. I mean, everyone's staying right where they are. So um, there haven't there haven't been a lot of openings. It's more like right now I'm uh, interested in kind of getting back into more writing. And have you thought about moving somewhere else? Is it even is it even have you even considered it? Yeah, I'm, I might be crazy, but uh, I'm looking at New York. Well, I, oh, how cool! You know what? I mean, it, it, look, it, you know, you may say to you, Adam, whether I don't have a job in New York, but you know what? You don't have a job here, so I mean, my sister's trying to be a writer know? in New York right now. Oh, yeah. So if you if you want to go over there, maybe I can. Yeah. If well, you, yeah. There are people um, who know those people. Yeah. yeah, I have a I have a great group of friends there who yeah. are all editors, so a really good network to start out with. There's and something to be said. It's for the- something I've always wanted to do. I was just given. Such amazing opportunities here in Portland, uh, and I'm so grateful for that. But now, well, kind of looking at what's on the horizon. Something to be said for the fact that if you're going to be unemployed and looking for a gig, you might as well do it in a city where there's a lot of opportunities maybe that aren't necessarily here. So not that we're trying yeah. to run you out of town or anything. No, no, um, no. I'm sure I would be back. Let us, uh, we'll resume the news. We'll do a few here. We'll take a break on the other side. So sure. once again with the Let news, Let me just Liz note Hummer. real quick that I found the unemployment rate ah. for Oregon in November, uh, just this past November, was 8.1%. So that is actually higher, higher. than the national average. Wow. Well, yeah. let's close it out. There was your job watch uh, for Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah. All right. So we'll move forward with whatever strikes your fancy. Once again with the news, Liz yeah, Hummer. Let's, uh, let's do something a little more cheerful. Uh, there's uh, Portland's Get a Life marching band, great name, uh, has been picked to be one of about 100 other bands at the inauguration. This isn't the, uh, the this isn't that band that's always at like at everything that Willamette does, is it? What is that? Oh, what? the March 4th. Oh, that's the March 4th. Ah, okay. no, the, yeah, I got that I've never heard of this, uh, the Get a Life marching band. It says that members are mostly from Oregon and southwest Washington, but some come as, from as far as South Dakota. So they, is this, does it say, are these children, are these adults? They, um... No, they're a kind of uh, people that were in marching band in school, and now they're in their 20s to 60s. Because so. that really is the key to getting women, even as an adult, is to be in the marching band. Especially if you've got the place Back to... into your tuba. <laughs> See, that's, this, is why, this is why you sound great on the show, because you have natural comedic instincts, Liz. I'm right, oh, because tuba, really the tuba is one of your funnier sounding instruments. I don't mean in the noise it makes, I mean the actual, just the word tuba. I was going to say piccolo, but tuba is good as well. Yeah, my friend Laura's going to love that I brought that up. She really wants to learn to play. And here's the thing about being in the marching band. Unless you are a, per- a percussionist, by which I mean uh, like the drum guy. Like if you're one of the guys who plays the drums, you'll probably get girls. Otherwise, your only choice is to sleep with other members of the marching band. Just becomes a whole weird like Ooh. insular kind of sect at yes. that point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Liz Hummer. True. So uh, they'll they'll be there in November. So we should cheer them on to get a life marching band. Do try to catch it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see. Um. Here's what a new recycling program has started here locally. Three electronic recycling centers are open. Uh, so you can get rid of your old TVs, the ones that aren't going to work with the DTV coming up. 
You didn't get your converter box? This is the thing that I can't get rid of if I just leave it on the corner, you know, in front of my house in Southeast. Uh, It's it's like my Christmas tree that's in my driveway as well. Okay, see? So (laughs) I'm not so crazy. When did you move it from the house to the driveway? Uh, uh, That was uh, Tuesday night when I got home from the holidays. All right, well, you know. By myself, it was quite a feat. That was it. I mean, so did you have to, like, lug it all the way out? Yeah, it's down the stairs. So do uh, do you live alone? I have a roommate, but he was still out of town. Ah. Oh, and see. the Christmas tree was kind of my project. Well, and and so I and you know and the thing is, it's really not even me. Like it is my wife because it, like it left to my own devices. I would just because I'm just like a total Christmas nerd. I just I'm, I just love Christmas just with everything in me. And people get whatever the people who don't like the holidays or think it's silly, whatever you can you can just eat one because uh, you know I am unashamed. So I mean, if it was up to me, I'd just leave. The Christmas tree there until it was absolutely brown, like until there was no green left on it whatsoever. Mine was pretty much like that. <laughs> but she just sort of, you know, she just sort of looks at it, and then she looks at me, and then she just goes, she, she's not even forming complete sense of it anymore. She just goes, fire hazard, you know, and I just, I can't really argue with that. So, but it's now, but here's the other thing. My Christmas tree is now, it's, first of all, it's huge. Second of all, it's actually bigger than the door of my house. But thirdly, it's now reached such a state of advanced dryness and decomposition that it's like you so much as look at the tree and half the needles fall to the ground. Mm -hmm. So I am going to be obliged to pull it through the door frame because there's no way out. Like I can't. I did the exact same thing. See, and so, but then it's like going to be a shower of needles on it that are never going to come out. That's the thing. It's going to be like cat hair. They're going to be there forever. Thank goodness I have hardwood floors, so at least it wasn't like. No. Burrowing into the carpet. But I did spend a good hour and a half cleaning up after it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like it really is just going to be like you're going to see a, like a sad, solitary man on the porch of his southeast home going, come on! Yeah! And pulling it out the door, shearing off every single needle on, you know, like right into my carpet. So, that'll be good. And then well, I might as well just go watch Hee Haw all day. You know yeah. what I mean? After that, that's your biggest accomplishment for the really? day. No, that's true. Uh, well, we're at, Jesus, it's already 1 o'clock. For the love of all that is holy. We'll take a break. We'll come back. More news around the corner with Liz Hummer, formerly of LivePDX.com. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come, Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio uh, New York. We'll count down the top five songs from a film montage and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Radio program. It's 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. Thank you for coming along. Uh, still to come, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will also do the top five uh, songs from a film montage. Uh, we'll announce the uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week and more. I believe uh, Richie has those, but okay. I'm not entirely sure. I'll check it out. And then Aaron Duran will be here in the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll talk films, and he will have the top five video game uh, theme songs of all time. By the way, just a real quick shout-out. I'd like to thank I, – I wish I knew his full name. I'd like to uh, – well, I, it's just as well, actually, because it would sound like it, it would sound like I was doing some sort of a paid plug or whatever. I'd like to thank Don, uh, the, who is – I had this whole uh, disaster happen with my, uh, with my truck where um, 
Oh, God, what happened now? Nah, it's just the whole thing. I had to, um, because, you know, we we used to have two truck keys. This is like a story problem. Rick Emerson has two keys to his truck. Uh, one is snapped off. Uh, like, at one point, my wife was trying to do something with it, and she turned the key, and it was like a poorly made, it was like a cheap copy. And she turned the key, and it full-on just like, snapped off at halfway, you know, broken half. And so then we had the remaining truck key. And, of course, if either of us really were intelligent enough to think it through to the end, we would have made a copy of it. But that would just be too simple. So we managed to lose uh, the remaining truck key. And then I realized that I had no way to start the truck or move it anywhere without stealing it, which apparently is not that difficult to do. But that being said, it didn't seem like the best option. This car's been stolen three Three times. Uh, so, and not by you, any of those things? No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, not unless there's some sort of a weird, like, uh, dark half thing going on, where there's, like, the bad Rick. Right. Anyway, so I had to, like, uh, this, like, so I was then the pathetic guy calling at the mobile uh, locksmith. I'm sorry, I don't have, I'm terrible. And so the guy had to come out to my, uh, the guy had to come out to my place and do the thing of, like, making a lock from the ignition code or whatever, which is, anyway, so the good news is I was able to drive here today. The bad news is, you. here's the thing about the guy replacing a key. That is a thing where the expense is so vastly disproportionate to the size of the object and to seemingly the difficulty it takes to... It's like with a locksmith. Locksmith, don't get me wrong. I mean, a locksmith is a guy that you're always happy to see. You're never unhappy to see a locksmith because he's always, like, saving your ass when you have locked yourself out of your car or the car didn't work or, you know, you've lost your key and broken the other one. So I understand where we live in a capitalist society, you know, at the moment anyway. You know, where, you know, you charge whatever you can get for something, and that's fine. It'd be one thing if the key wasn't, you know, was either, like, small or if it took him two minutes to make it. But it's the confluence of both of those things that just make the price tag so unbelievably uh, gougy feeling. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Give someone a shout-out. What? I was, anyway, so Don. Don the blacksmith who came out. He was very gracious and didn't, and he didn't gloat over the fact that. It was expensive. No, that's, well, it's. I'm just it saying. Be, it's I, like Don's key shop or whatever. I'm just saying he was very gracious about it and didn't really like sort of, uh, you know, uh, flaunt the fact that I was having to pay, you know, what I what I used to pay for rent at a, a little studio apartment in Spokane to have a kid, to have a key made for my truck. I don't want to say how much it is. How much would you... Sarah, let me ask you this. Let's suppose that you broke one key and lost another key. Uh, so is the key broken in the ignition, so you have to get that key out and then make no, no, it? No, the, 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 you no, know, no. We had two keys. One of them got broken some time ago, and it, I, I forget it. I wasn't there, but it wasn't stuck in the ignition. That one's just gone. And so then we had the remaining key, which I think was the original, which we never bothered to duplicate because we're, you know, retards. And so then uh, we, we lost uh, the truck key that we had, and then I had nothing. I had bupkis. So he comes out and he says, well, here's your problem right here. You don't got no keys. And I said, that's great. And he said, let me make one for you. And then about two and a half minutes later, the key is made. Uh, and he, you know, he goes, here's your brand new key. You know, you ought to make a spare of this and keep it somewhere. And I said, thanks, Don. And then he left. How much would you expect to pay, Sarah, uh, for a key for a truck that is, oh, I don't know, 20 years old? And it took like two and a half minutes? It took like two and a half minutes. And you said rent. I don't know, $150? It was $150. Well it was? Done, yes, it was. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. You should be on the prices, right? Yeah, there you go. It's a good uh, estimator sometimes. Ladies and gentlemen, filling in for laid off uh, media icon at Tim Riley, laid off media icon, Liz Hummer. Icon? Yes. Well, it's, uh, you know, well, you're only, you, you know, you're only as big as you position yourself to be, Liz. So, <laughs> right. Once again with the news, Liz Hummer, formerly of LifePDX.com. Thank you. Uh, let's give a little local good news. It looks like uh, I-5 is going to be re- is being reopened today at Chehalis. Oh, this is the, was this because of the mudslide thing? No, was, flooding. Was it the mudslide was it the, the, the flooding? In Washington. Was this the thing, of the, 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 what was the story we had yesterday? Oh, it was Amtrak. 
Amtrak stopped, and then I, I drove to Vancouver last night, and uh, it said I-5 closed, no detour at milepost 68, and it was closed, like, for 20 miles. So not like there was, like, it was just there closed. There was no way to get through. And I, I saw on one of the local news stations last night that they tried to find alternate routes, and there was nothing. <laughs> they tried to find alternate routes. Like, there might be one that they hadn't ever thought about before. There yeah. might be one that was hidden That maybe secret. the Department of Transportation didn't know about. Like a secret you one. About. You know, yeah. like one that they kept behind glass, they, you know, just in case of this That's emergency. That's when your bridge idea would have come into good use. Totally. So they were, but there was no way to get to Seattle. So you, if you wanted to get to Seattle yesterday, you had to fly? For a couple of days, it's been like that. Wow. As far as I know. I'm surprised that that hasn't caused all... I mean, I guess it probably... I mean, it's no, because I guess problems, there are tons of trucks, you know, who can't get their loads yeah. anywhere. I, um, yeah, it says here that it's been closed since Wednesday. Jesus. I um, mean, behold the power of nature, I suppose. So, yay, we can all get to H&M in Seattle. <laughs> So, so, so we can we can once again make our way there to see fish being thrown. Yeah. Here's uh, Liz Hummer with the news. Uh, we're going to do a little geek watch. Excellent. Here's your geek watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Ugh, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar dilemma, remember you used to just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux. And I just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it. Energize. Ladies and gentlemen, with your Geek Watch for Friday, Liz Summer. Well, it looks like we might be getting back a, a slight version of citywide Wi-Fi, thanks to uh, a company called Clearwire. You might have seen some of the TV ads for Clear. I personally got a thing in the mail for it. Uh, you can pay uh, $20 a month to get uh, wireless Internet at home and mobile. Now, was this, now did we have... See, I, I went through this whole thing. I got a, uh, I got a laptop over the holidays uh, with, with Wi-Fi. I think you know, I, uh, I made the, I made the transition into the, into the Mac uh, world. Oh, and better. See, that's and everybody. You know, it's funny that nobody ever says that when you say that you started. Yeah, I moved to Windows. No, no, no. Listen, I did the, over the holidays. I want you to know, I bought Microsoft Vista, and it, like nobody ever congratulated. There are no hugs. There's no one ever, uh, no one ever taps you on the shoulder and says you've made the right choice. Yeah, it's just defeated. Uh, I think <laughs> they just sort of. When you tell people, when you tell people that you've made a purchase like that, uh, you know, like, ah, so I installed that Vista over the weekend. There's one of two reactions: people either ask you why, or they just sort of narrow their eyes a little bit and go, hmm, and then they go off to the lunchroom to see if there's like anything to eat. Uh, so I got a Mac with Wi-Fi uh, over the holidays, and you know, so I have a, you know, one of our uh, listeners, Tom Thomas Gill, uh, hooked me up, uh, helped walk me through setting up a wireless network and whatever at home. So, but I so, but as a result, it is the first laptop I had, and I so why Wi-Fi was never an issue for me. So I kind of missed this whole first stage. Did we have Wi-Fi at one point? Uh, yeah, there was there was a big we the city solicited uh, proposals from companies to develop a citywide Wi-Fi network. One of them won and started to develop something. I don't know the details. It and didn't work. It sort of went belly up. It, yeah, it, I mean, I live on Southeast Belmont. And it wasn't covering me. Like, I'm in very much in the center of the city. Right. So there were some definite um, there were holes some in the system. Issues. Yeah. So I don't really know what happened. Is this, um, well, this was because there were, the, like, those big white uh, cone things on top of, like, stoplights or something, right? Isn't yeah, that what that was for? Something like, yeah, yeah. I think so. So um, with you to all the coffee shops. Well, and it's one of those things where, uh, and I, I think Wi-Fi is... Wi-Fi is one of those things, it just in it, it, my experience, just having had the laptop for like a month, that once you're using that, you kind of go, 
how in the name of God was I ever mm-hmm. able to function without this? Like you did. So spoiled. It, 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 it is one of those things that immediately slots itself into your, into your brain as like a, as an indispensable utility. So, all right, well, Absolutely. there you go. If you want to know more, there's like clear.com. Excellent. You can find out more so there you go. There's your Geek Watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson radio program. By the sons of Warband, I shall avenge you. Next. Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. All right, we'll return to Liz Hummer in just one moment. Let's, uh, ladies and gentlemen, go to the phones and welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you, my friend? Oh, happy that Friday is here. Yes, indeed. Big plans for your weekend, Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, just to enjoy every minute as much as I possibly can. To suck out uh, all the marrow of life. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, it's, we were actually um, just, I got two things to talk about today. One is the job market, because actually um, a woman named uh, Liz was doing our news today, flawlessly, I might add. Oh, thank you. We were just talking about the, the unemployment rate, which is... What it is now? It's now seven, seven or seven point two nationwide. Seven point two percent in December, up from six point seven percent in November, and all expectations are that it will continue to rise further. I mean, what is the? Here's a question I have for you, and because uh, Liz had actually uh, found the statistic online, and in Oregon it was higher than it was eight point. What was it? Was it eight point one? In November. In November it was eight point one here in Oregon. So I mean, it's like everybody's kind of got their own. And I don't even. I mean, I can't even imagine what it'd be in a place like Michigan or something right now. You know, one of the reasons why it may have increased up there, uh, logging. Um, I'm not sure how much logging is is still done. Uh, in Oregon, but uh, um, lumberjacks uh, are actually losing their jobs in some areas because the demand for wood product has gone down because uh, construction rates have gone down across the country. I hadn't really thought about that. That is, that's a chain reaction that had never, because I actually see in my, so I was sort of in the ballpark. I was, we were talking about the Oregon unemployment rate being higher, and I was speculating that it was because, uh, because the timber industry is, I would think, to some degree, a seasonal business, maybe, but it had never occurred to me that it's because more people getting fired, God, it just becomes like a house that Jack built thing. People getting fired are not having money, so they don't want to move into a new house, which means you don't need wood, which means you don't need timber, which means lumberjacks get fewer hours to get laid off. God. It's, yeah. And, it's, and you got to wonder, like, where does that... And not just not just lumberjacks, but guys who work in the mills. Oh yeah, no, I mean, or you know what, the guys who yeah. work in the mills, the guys who are driving uh, the, the trucks to transport that right. lumber. Um, I mean, and, you know, and here in Oregon is just, I mean, even Oregon is sort of this weird. Oregon is this uh, is this sort of strange uh, this strange confluence of sort of you know what what my what one might call traditional industries and then tech industries. You know, it's sort of tech. You know, it's tech and lumber, uh-huh. and. Um, you gotta wonder where it stops though, because it becomes like a series of Russian nesting dolls, where it starts with the guy on Wall Street who makes a bad decision, and it ends down at the bottom with a guy, you know, who works in the lumber industry, uh, who's just not able to sell his product anymore. So you, you gotta wonder where the end of that road yeah, this, is. This is the true trickle down effect. Yeah. Remember um, that. Uh, remember that term from uh, Reagan era. Reagan, Reagan era. Um, yeah. And so then the question is, everybody talks about how this was the worst uh, recession since the Great Depression or the worst financial, whatever. Here's the question. What is, in fact, the highest that unemployment has ever been in this country? Can you do you know? Can you speak to like where, like where this might max out in terms of a historical precedent? It happened during the Great Depression, uh, as far as I know. It, uh, unemployment rates uh, had been sustained for a while during the Great Depression at 25%, so one out of every four 
people was uh, unemployed uh, mm. during that time period. And so you get all these people who are losing their jobs, and they're going on the unemployment rolls, and they're receiving you know, unemployment or, or whatever benefits. So then the question is, is there some weird sort of reverse, like a trickle-up effect, where if you get fired, you go on unemployment, and all the people on unemployment are, of course, then they are then taxing the government's uh, resources. And so is that then going to rebound again back into the economy somehow? Oh, absolutely. The demand for services has increased dramatically for social services across the board at the same time that uh, state and city budgets have uh, decreased. They don't have the money because their tax revenue is down. So they have to spend more with less. It's, it's, you're right. It's a, it's a vicious cycle, as they say. Well, it's good to know that China's always there to help us out, though. You know what I mean? Yes. You know what, you know what uh, China is? China is the guy... China is the guy in every sort of noir film where there's, uh, you know, the sort of anti-hero who is trying to either stay clean, stay sober, break away from gambling, or not go back to the old life. <laughs> and China is the guy that always appears and goes, look, I mean, I know you say that, you you know, you're on the straight and narrow, and I mean, you know, maybe you are, but I mean, I just got this job. You know, it's just like one little job, and you're in, you're out, you know, ten grand. I mean, you let me know if you're interested, because, uh, you know, because... <laughs> Frankie's willing to pay, and you were always our best enforcer. And then, you know, and then, of course, the hero inevitably gives in. And so China is always sort of there just to bail us out. But what you must imagine has to be some of the fantastically inflated rate of return. Yeah, and also, didn't China just um, cut back uh, its um, airline industry uh Orders or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the story was, but uh, I know that it was affecting uh, the airline manufacturers here in the U.S. Too, it is. So. It's, I mean, it, it's just become one of those things where, like, we went to sleep for about five minutes and we woke up and, like, and they literally they they own everything but like Vermont Avenue or whatever it is on the Monopoly board, <laughs> like everything else, and it's like they got 17 hotels on everything. So good Pretty job, Almighty. And then just you know because it, is, it continues to be such a big big a big uh, story a big incident. There's uh, I know that the UN the UN by the way showing really the teeth and just the absolute rubber meets the road can do attitude of practical solutions that only the United Nations can. I see they they passed a resolution yesterday asking for peace. Yeah. So I'm sure that everything is going to resolve itself almost immediately. But is there actually is there any real progress being made in this whole cluster that is happening in Gaza right now? You know, it is such a complex, multifaceted issue that uh, basically, you know, I don't mean to be to be uh, glib about it, but it really is just a piece of paper because Israel and Hamas really haven't showed any change in their actions since. The uh, United Nations resolution was passed, and you know, passing a UN resolution uh, in the Security Council, I should say, a Security Council resolution, used to be a, a major event in, in world uh, world events and in, in world affairs, and uh, it was taken very seriously. And now, you know, even though uh, the diplomats at the United Nations uh, spent marathon days this week. Uh, you know, hammering out the wording for this resolution, literally uh, taking painstaking efforts to, to parse every single word. Each word, you know, had to be broken apart and figured out whether it should or shouldn't be included in, in this. Uh, you know, they spent literally a whole week working on this. They finally passed a resolution that, you know, pretty much, you know, sounds good to any sane individual, you know. And, uh, you know, it's done nothing. You know, nothing has changed on the ground with, except 
for the fact that the United Nations will be resuming aid deliveries into Gaza after they had uh, a meeting with high-level authorities, uh, officials in the Israeli Defense Forces. That's you know, about the only thing that's changed. You know what the United Nations, these resolutions, like, it's like auditing a class at college. You know what I mean? You sort of feel like you're learning something and something's being accomplished, but they're not going to give you a degree and you're not really going to be able to use that to get a job. And, it, you know, it doesn't really, like, you don't earn any credits for that. That's a, uh, <laughs> it's like playing a, it's like playing a demo version of a video game. You know, there's, <laughs> you can't ever save the score. You can tell yourself that you're playing, but there's really no permanent change that can be affected with that. And I, if I may put forward just a small slice of editorial observation, sure. it does, I have to say, it, just my my admittedly ill-informed and sometimes haphazard read on things is that it does sort of, it does surprise me that uh, to some degree that things have not uh, escalated beyond where they are now even faster because... Part of me does. Part of me does really just wonder if, like, it, like at some point, Israel's just going to say, like, that's it. You know, we we we've had it. We're done. Enough of this. And there, you know, because I sort of take it as read uh, that Israel has, you know, a very advanced nuclear weapons program that they just don't really talk about a whole lot. They just sort of leave it. Yeah, they leave it underneath the table. You know what I mean? Like that shotgun in Tombstone when they're when they're dealing Pharaoh, and they don't really tell anybody it's there, but they know that they've got it in, in case it, in case it seems to be needed. And it's of emergency break glass. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And I mean, and it, you know, and there is this, um, I had a friend of mine who, uh, who is a martial artist and above, above the doorway to the studio where she practiced martial arts, um, there was just, it was a, it was a sort of a, uh, not a plaque, but it was sort of this carved wooden thing. And it just said, when in a fight, hit first and hit as hard as you can. And that does, in some ways, seem to be the maxim of Israel, and I understand why it is that. Because, again, you, know, you wake up and a guy's in your living room with a gun, you don't shoot to wound. And I, it, it does surprise me that things, and I guess we should be glad in some ways that they haven't, but it does surprise me that things have not just, things have not gotten to that level already. It, it, well, you know? you know, the interesting thing with uh, Israeli leaders is they find themselves between a rock and a hard place because... Uh, they, uh, you know, for for years now, since they uh, withdrew from Gaza, uh, they've been enduring rocket attacks from Gaza onto their uh, southern uh, cities and towns. Uh, some people say the rocket attacks were, were as intense as they were because Israel had essentially quarantined Gaza and made these made the uh, made Hamas feel like they were in a prison. So what else were they left to do? But um, that's an opinion. You know, depends depends who you talk to. Nonetheless, the Israeli leaders find themselves between a rock and a hard place because these rockets were being fired at southern Israel for years, and their their own population, their constituency was saying, come on already, do something right. about this. How long are we supposed to sit here and take it? Right. So they finally had to listen to their people and, and go in and do something. But on the other hand, they, they have now this issue where they're creating future generations of, some would say terrorists, others would call them militants, but... Uh, nonetheless, people who will want to try to carry out even harsher attacks on Israel. You know, and I got and I understand that uh, they say that part of this is religion, and part of it's politics, and part of it is a confluence of both. It is, in some sense, it is a shame that religion fuels uh, the bulk of this, or at least a lot of it, because otherwise. Look, let me just tell you, we, we got whole states in the United States that, that nobody's doing anything with, like Montana. I mean, really, we're not, we're not using Montana. They were Wyoming. I mean, we're not using Wyoming for anything. And it seems like we could actually just go over there and just say, you know, just look at each side and go, look, like, one of you, we'll give you Wyoming. We'll, we'll pay. We'll fly you all over. We'll give you whatever you want. We'll, we'll have a Starbucks and a mall already going. 
Let's get on the plane and we'll leave now. And then, you know, and then everything's going to be fine. But, of course, it's it's not that simple because they don't let me run the world, Steve. There are some really interesting books written about land as it pertains to this issue in the Mideast. And all it takes is for, you know, a group of people to say this site is a holy site. Uh, and and you'll yeah. you'll find that people are willing to fight over it. So it doesn't need to be any proof that what they say actually happened no, no, on that course. site did happen. But people will fight to the death over it. Who needs yeah. evidence or proof or facts when you've got zealotry, Steve? I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, all right. On that note, my friend, enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you very soon, sir. Thank you. All right, Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Let's do one more story. Get these calls. We'll take a break. Come back with the top five. Hello, Liz Hummer. How are you today? Hi. Doing You're great. sounding uh, splendid, by the way, and that's not just the... Uh, I'm getting many compliments on your voice. We've got this. This one says, uh, let's see, where did this email go? I got an email here. Uh, let's see. Uh, about Liz says, um, uh, by the way, says, I've, been, says, I've, been listening, uh, I've been listening to your show today. Um, is Liz Hummer as cute as she sounds? Come on, hook a brother up. She's adorable and? She really can is. Can we say single? Yes. It's singlish. But and, single for a while. What, uh, I plan to be. And so, uh, what, Yoda. <laughs> what celebrity would you say that uh, Liz Hummer most closely resembles? Because we always get that question. Oh. My first instinct was Ashley Judd a bit. Because I, I, I just see that. I could Jeopardy see that. Recently. I could see that. I was going to say sort of a. I was going to a cross mm. between. I was going to say, I'm framing you now like sort of... Uh, oh. <laughs> I know, why are you framing me? Um, like Cecil B. DeMille style. I was going to say like a cross between like a, um, and I will of course not ask how old you are, but I was going to say a much younger, a cross between a much younger Ileana Douglas and Bridget Fonda. Like if you were going to take Bridget Fonda and Ileana Douglas... I wouldn't see Bridget Fonda. I don't know who Ileana... Well, Douglas is. you know, Ileana Douglas, she was, um, uh, uh, she was in, did you ever see Grace, Grace, uh, Grace of the Heart? No, but I'll look. All right. Uh, she was. Everyone Google her now. Um, she was in. Um, um, uh, she was in Cape Fear. She was in that TV series Action. She played, no disrespect, the whore in uh, Action <laughs> with Jay Moore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, crap. I can't but uh, you know, but she was, you know, uh, so in some ways you sort of had a little bit of that, but again, but really mixed. But I would say mixed with kind of okay, a Bridget Fonda kind of a thing. Not really, because she's like Ileana Douglas is a little more goofy looking. Well, that's that. that's what I'm saying. Because Bridget Fonda though is very Bridget Fonda is very traditionally okay, I can very. See, yeah, I can see why. Because replace the features with the. We need that face more for that Conan use. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. See, I failed. This is like that thing when I called somebody I love Peggy. this lady, though. She's an amazing actress. When I, when I called the... It's like when I called Cheryl the Peggy to my Don Draper. See, it's like I thought it was a compliment. Then uh, it comes out of my... See? Another woman laughing at you think that's a compliment? Uh, no. See? Okay, but <laughs> I told... People are always calling me Liz Lemon and... From 30 Rock. Oh, hey, oh, I can see that. I don't know that. Look like no, I can see like, that. Even in personality, and I think that's great, but... I, She's also in terms of bearing, although I could see a little bit of that. Oh yeah, but a younger one, of course. Like you don't look her age. Yeah, she's kind of spinstery. I don't really well, want to end up that way. Okay, <laughs> I mean, let me just, real quickly again, I, because we are wrapping up the week, and so we often do a little retrospective. Yeah, is it Friday? I'm, I don't even know what day. Well, you're on unemployed time, yeah. Liz. What do you know? I mean, it could be. Two, it's always two in the morning and drinking time where Pretty you are. Much. Um, so I had this incident the other day where there's a, a woman I do uh, this I do Outlook Portland on the on the CW and right. there's a woman who I work with who does the guest booking whatever and uh, and I in the presence of another woman I referred to her with what I thought was a compliment I said oh Cheryl's like the the Peggy to my Don and which there's so many things wrong with that statement and see every yeah. single guy every God. single guy that I've talked to has said that that was a compliment well, of every, every single guy woman wants a Peggy but 
And, but every single woman, including my wife, by the way, my wife goes, boy, you're a dick. And I was just like, well, I, I'm sorry, baby. I didn't, you know, so there was just no. So you're also on the bandwagon of that was not the right thing to say. Uh, Yeah. That's wonderful. All right. Uh, well, let's do uh, one more story. We'll do the calls. We'll take a break. This is Liz Hummer with the news. Let's do a, a quick one. Um, a Southwest Airlines pilot was confronted in Columbus, Ohio, with alcohol in his breath as he tried to fly a plane. <laughs> That's, you know, I fly great. Southwest all the time, and I always wondered why they were so cheerful. Well, <laughs> yeah. I uh, and did you see? And the, like, they're allowed to fly. I was reading that story. Oh like, yeah, they are allowed to fly with point oh four percent. How messed up is but that? But they can't fly within eight hours of drinking alcohol. So no. I don't. You must have had a lot to have it dwindle to point oh four and. After eight hours. Well, at least they're yeah. not inflexible about it. They've got a certain laissez-faire kind of life-loving... Z- like you I love the- how there's no tolerance for driving a car, but, you know, driving a plane with, like, 150 people on Doesn't it... Doesn't that seem sort of French? Like, you can see the French doing that, yeah. you know? Like, sort of, you know, Pierre, how many martinis have you had? Oh, only five. You know, well, all right, then. Life is for living. And then he gets in the plane, and it just sort of, like, wheels <laughs> drunkenly off the tarmac. If you used to... Um, and this is, like, an old guy thing, but if you, the, the people my age, if you watched the Bob Newhart show back in the 70s, of course, the Newharts, I don't think they were the Newharts, but you know, but, but uh, Bob Newhart and Suzanne Plachette, who was just like the hottest thing ever, they lived, uh, you know, across the hall in this sort of like condo townhouse thing. They lived across the hall from this guy who was a pilot, and that was he. He was a pilot, and he was kind of like a sexy, like swinger kind of guy, like one it of those. It was a swinging time. Yeah, totally. They were getting ladies in every city, and they were indeed. And he would stop by uh, to see like Bob and Emily, and he uh, would, and he'd always be like putting down a bunch of whiskey, and they go, "Well, gotta leave, gotta go fly a plane," <laughs> and it was, com- and it wasn't considered like like sort of dark humor or gallows fun at the time. I guess it was just like a thing you were okay to do, you know? Right. Well, don't I get to go fly a plane? Yes, but I've always got time for uh, another stoli, you know, or whatever. So, all right, let's do these. We'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. This is Scott. Yes. Hello. Hi. How can I help you, sir? Hey, Rick. You and Sarah rock. But anyway, that that being said, the guy that charged you 150 bucks for that key, yes, he at least for the 150 bucks should have given you a pair. You know, when you think about it. Yeah, uh, or maybe just like a maybe some sort of know, a lower back massage. Re- reminding you to get a copy of that. You know, I, I just you know, I just said, whoa, wait a minute. The, the best part was, and here's the great thing about this guy again. He really was. He did help me out of a jam, and he was very polite and whatever. But uh, so he's there, and he's. He's, you know, obviously dealing with somebody, and by somebody I mean me, he's clearly dealing with somebody who doesn't know anything about cars. I mean, I kind of lack that guy chromosome. I know zero about automobiles, as evidenced by the fact that I snapped the other key off like six months ago and have never bothered to replace it, and I lost the other one and needed his help. That being said, he knows a lot about cars and locks, and so like like a guy always does, he can't resist sort of telling me a lot of handy little MacGyver tips. He's like, now if this ever happens again, now you know you can fix this. I swear to God he said this. He goes, you can fix this with a length of bicycle tubing, a pocket knife, and uh, a coat hanger. And I'm going to show you how to do that. And the other thing is you'll need three washers and a ball-peen hammer. And then uh, and then it's not going to be an issue for you, and you'll be able to get down there and make it all 220. And, I'm just, and, I just, and at a certain point, I kind of went, uh-huh, yeah, that's great. And, you know, and you find yourself... So did you know how much it was going to cost before he gave you the bill? Well, no, because what was I going to say? I won't pay it. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, okay, funny boy, take the bus. I mean, there was no, uh-huh. like, the, the, the question of be paying or not paying, uh, that was never an issue. In so many ways, it just seems wrong. Here's a $150 bill. I'd make a copy of that when he can do that with a blink of his eye and give you two for the 150 bucks. But I have one real quick leaving comment here. Yes, sir. Weeks ago, you were going through cartoon characters. I know you're big on these things. 
I tried to call in with one that was, remember the old slow buzzard who all of his brothers were dive bombers and he's... Yeah, no, and he was like God's special buzzard, yes. Oh, my baby, bumblebee. Yes, yes, yes I do. And the other half, who is that? I don't think we ever figured out his name, but he was like the sort of the developmentally delayed buzzard. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. And when you when you were going through that, all of a sudden that picture of that dude looking at the camera flying along with his little bumblebee in his tongue just came back, and I appreciate you for that. Glad we could help, sir. Right. Yes, sir. Thank you, my friend. Have a good week. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hello? It's you. You've called a radio station. You're now on the air. Thousands of people are waiting to hear your Perhaps thoughts. Even hundreds. <laughs> it's you. Okay. Thanks so much. That's wonderful. Well, glad, you could, glad you could find the time to wait on hold. Your parents must be so proud. And come back after this. More with uh, Liz Hummer at the news desk. We'll have Chris Paddock in here with the top five uh, songs from a film montage later on. Aaron Duran, more of your phone calls and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Thank you for coming along. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on in today's program, uh, Aaron Geek in the City Duran will join us. We'll also do his top five. Uh, by the way, both top fives that we're going to do today, we'll uh, do the top five songs from a film montage here in just a few minutes. Then Aaron Duran's top five video game themes. Both lists have preemptively been labeled crap uh, by Fatboy. That's a KUFO. Just like, you know, FYI. Um, and so forth. It's 503-733-2970. Of course, uh, as we move uh, through December now into the new year, uh, we are having a series of laid-off Portland media professionals. Fill in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley today. No exception. Uh, former editor of LivePDX.com, Liz Hummer. How are you? Doing great. On a scale of one to five, how do you feel about today? I hate your scales. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm going to say five. How can I say anything less? See, that's why I asked, Sarah, because every now and again, you get just enough of those answers to make it all worthwhile. (laughs) You don't get the three from Amanda Moyer about how uncomfortable she is. Which is clearly, that was like her lying and being generous just to spare my fragile male ego. So, you know, what are you going to do? All right, let's uh, do a few here with with Amanda Moyer this summer. From the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. All right, here's Liz Summer with your news. All right, we've got a teacher watch. Excellent. Here is your teacher watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson radio program. I'm not really sure how to explain this, so I'm just going to read it exactly as written. Uh, a letter was sent home to parents of uh, children at a Merced Elementary School in December that read, 
As you may be aware, the last week before the Thanksgiving break, Mr. McLean had the class participate in a face shaving activity with an electric razor as a story starter for a writing assignment. He later instructed the students that if they told, they would not have a Christmas party. Needless That's to say, so awful. Yeah, so for reasons I can't I even, even explain. Know, I don't even know where to begin to understand it. Uh, anyway, the letter uh, seems to uh, be angry about the the instruction not to tell, rather than whatever the face shaving. Well, I was just actually that was going to make that point actually that the let's back up for a second. First of all. At least it was, a, I mean, at least it, like it was an electric shaver. At least it wasn't like a whole, like, all right, now first you've got to lather me. You know, because then that's just, you know, that's wrong. But how old were these? What were these, uh, the age of these children? Does it say, was it like, I mean, we're it talking. It doesn't say the age. High school, fifth grade. It doesn't say their age. Montessori. All right. All, all, all ages. But clearly, but young enough to heed the teacher uh, instruction that, now you're not to tell anybody about this. Right, but what kind of story starter is? <laughs> I don't shaving? know what I'm trying to. I'm going through all of like the. Uh, I'm going through all the like boxcar children books in my head and trying to imagine which one you would need to shave to get yourself into. Um, you know, like is that like frog and frog and toad do personal grooming or something? There's just no. It seems like there's really no book you would you would need to reverse engineer a shave into. Right. Don't tell. All right. And, you know, I think I speak for everybody also when I say that at this point in American society, if you tell a child not to tell an adult about something, they know immediately to tell every adult they know everywhere and probably Stone Phillips about it as well. (laughs) No, who's the guy who does uh, the predator? See, I was trying to see and I fumbled just now. What's his name? I was hoping nobody would catch me. To catch a predator. Uh, Let's welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, Chris Paddock from Rock 101 KFO. It's Chris Hansen. Yay! Damn it. See? He's like... Beardy guy, you wrote on the IM you wanted to see some S <laughs> in my kitchen. No, it's all a joke. I, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was kidding. Yeah. Do you yeah. do you ever watch? Do you watch that show? Or you... uh, I watch it for the pure entertainment value of hearing Chris Hansen read the IMs from people like you know, Hot Stuff '88. You know, he's like, uh, I would like to see your B's if I could, <laughs> and then touch your A. It's really disturbing, especially worse when I do it. They always want to serve them sweet tea and cookies when they. Yeah, usually, yeah. The girls always lure them in with. Yeah, well, that's what that's what people like: sweet tea and cookies. That's what I've read. Yeah, I don't understand it. Usually, a warm pizza too is nice. (laughs) So, should we relive the awkward question that Chris asked Liz earlier? Wait. I'm still back on the fact that you're saying that you seemed like, no, 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 really what they like is sweet tea and no, cookies I, and one pizza. Well, just I like was, FYI. I was just doing a little improv there, I guess. I don't know. You know, this, yeah. the, the, my I don't one, know from experience. The thing about that I've show. I've watched a lot of that program, though. The thing about that show that is sort of, that is sort of darkly hilarious to me is that, and I mean, it's the kind of thing that I guess you can sort of laugh at because, again, you know, they've been, as Roscoe P. Coulter would say, cuffed and stuffed. Nice. So it's like, you know, they're they're off the street, so you're allowed to sort of have a little chuckle at their expense, which I think we all do. Sure. The best part about it is, is like, you know, there's there's the guy at the door, like, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's Ramrod 75, <laughs> here to show you a good yeah. time. You know, when they open the right. door, and then, you know, when you fast forward to, like, there's the camera and Chris Hansen going, like, you know, He's hey. in the kitchen, usually. It's an, it's a nice kitchen. Have you noticed that? It's very gourmet. And then, but, but then you look at the guy, the, the, you know, the guy that gets busted, and there's always that series of thoughts you can see, like, all over their face. 
It is the recognition because they've all clearly seen the show. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. They all clearly like, are you, uh, ah, come on. It's you know? how people used to feel when they saw Alan Funt. Exactly. The candid camera thing. And you'd go like, oh, are you, I just, I never thought that, oh, no, you kid her. But it's like, yeah, they've all obviously watched To Catch a Predator. Right. And then it's seeing the, like the series of surreal Thoughts go through their head as they realize they are now inside that show that they watch. I saw one where the guy ran. Like, he, like out the, like, yeah, bolted? Yeah, like, yeah, get the hell out. Yeah. They think, uh, yeah. I like it, too, after they Chris uh, confronts them and they have a little discussion and they go, okay, well, um, I'm going to go home now. <laughs> like, they really think that... I, it's all they want to say. Hey, go back to exfoliating. I'll yeah. see you later. No, no harm, no foul. I'm just going to show myself out. Don't uh, look over there. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Sarah, what were you? You had a uh, question. You had something yeah, you wanted to bring up. Why don't we take our break early because we're getting close to the top because that went longer than expected, and then we can come back right after it with the top five. Are we going to do the top five? Oh, wait, there was something that Chris Paddock said, by the way. Creepy thing. <laughs> At, during this last break, and we've often said that really, I, what I ought to start doing is charging people to hear the show, like including commercial breaks. Yeah. You know what I mean? For like, an, like the five bucks. Talk. Yeah. Yeah, like nine bucks a month, something you can hear everything that goes on in here during the during the commercial break. Too really, hot for radio. Because like, like Storm and Byron alone would make that like well worth your nine dollars. Oh, yeah. um, during the uh, during the break, there was this great moment that I think went unanswered. Where <laughs> was it, Chris? Was it that you asked? Uh, like, new, Greg new and I person? were leaving the room too, and so like we leave, you know, Liz in here with this like yeah. new creepy person. Right. And, well, <laughs> thank Sarah you for who defining said that, me not, as creepy. I, I didn't say that. that. Sarah said that. Uh, I'm sorry. Who comes up to someone's like? So if you were a piece of fruit, no, well, hold on, hold on. Did you, did you Liz ask Liz if Liz, you were a piece no, of fruit? hold on a second. Liz said, why am I always getting compared to pieces of fruit? And I said, to <laughs> paraphrase, uh, Barbara Walters, if you were a fruit, which one would you be? This is because someone had, because Liz is getting all kinds of fan mail uh, today. And uh, one of them just said, one of them simply said, Liz sounds delicious. And and then, but then you, but there was somebody else like, Liz sounds like a peach. Which led to the fruit question. Yeah, and right. as Sarah and I were leaving, it was like we could hear the sound trailing off as we were working in the hallway, and we just heard the voice of Chris Paddock going, if you were a piece of fruit, Liz, what piece of fruit would it be? Did you answer him, Liz, or did you, you kind of laugh? Oh, have, yeah. you, have you thought about it? Yeah. Uh, I thought about it. I would be a pineapple. They're a little rough around the edges sometimes. A little uh, pokey. <laughs> But once you get past their hard oh, really exterior, sweet and delicious inside, and I really probably am just saying that because it's my favorite fruit, and I would like to be pineapple that. is your favorite fruit. <laughs> yes, no, oh, it's a good yeah. lifesaver too. All right, flavor, yeah, that really was. I apologize, was and I really and there's there's no other way for it. That really was an adorable answer. Well done. Oh, All right, we'll take a break. You, Liz. We'll come back after this when we return. Chris Paddock counts down the top five songs from a film montage. It's filled with fail. More news with uh, Liz Hummer from Live, uh, formerly editor at LivePDX.com. We'll get, uh, and, and by the way, people have already uh, asked about this, that as we go through the week, we do update the webpage with contact info for the people who have uh, handled the news for us. So all that's on the way, plus Aaron Duran and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And because I've gotten, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 475,000 emails about this today, I'll just say 
Yes. Handling the news today is former editor of LivePDX.com, Liz Hummer. Hummer. I barely knew her. There we go. And we're done. Yes, yes. So just. Uh, I'm surprised we, it took us that long. We can all look at the issue. It's been like three it's hours. Fur. The itch has been scratched. Let's all go. move on, shall we? All right. Uh, still to come later on today, uh, Aaron Geek in the City Duran will be joining us in the studio. He'll have his own top five for us. Top five video game theme songs uh, of all time. Uh, more news with Liz Hummer in here in just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Paddock, you have, per, you have uh, created and brought with you a top five. I started a list yesterday. And then. It was branded with epic fail by one Bobby Fatboy Roberts from Rock 101 KUFO. And so had he even seen the list before he announced he that he had failed? He heard about it. He had heard about it. Or and was then, it one of those? Because sometimes he'll do the preemptive, like, look, let me see it, because I know you made a mess of it. No, he didn't do thing. that. He All just right. walked in my office and said, your list is fail. Okay. He it's said it just like that. And then uh, we start. I, what, I, what I noticed was he was like trying to come up with a list on his own, and I was thinking, well, maybe they're helping me. Oh, no, no. They weren't helping me. So these are the top five. They were going to do their own list, but I'm now using some of their ideas. And these are the top five songs that accompany a montage in a film. Yes. Very popular back in the 80s because the music video was all the rage. And they don't really do that much anymore, but it was an art form. Yeah, it was, truly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here you go. Three, two, one, fire. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, and Richie Bristol, by the way. Uh, just FYI, I can play it as an MP3, but the number one track is still not in the folder. So if you can double check the number one track, that'd be great. Thanks so much. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the top five songs that accompany a filmed montage. Chris Paddock, please, to count down. Before I go any further, two special thanks to Lisa Wood and Court Weber as well. And that jerk, fat boy. All right, honorable mention going to... Like to get to know you well from Howard Jones. This was featured in Better Off Dead. Remember John Cusack and mm-hmm. uh, the car? They were making up the Camaro. Do you remember her name? The actress? No, 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 the character. Monique. There you go. Yeah. French Monique. exchange student. Yeah. That was uh, like the subject of a creepy crush by the fat character played yeah, by Dan Snyder. This is Monique. Ooh, get the post. Frosh. 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 This is fabulous liqueur. Like Ricky's dead pappy used to make. Yeah, it was a Molotov cocktail, and then Mommy blew up. Yeah, uh, this, this was um, Savage Steve Holland is the director of Better Off Dead. Uh-huh. Very uh, much, I would say, a pioneer in the montage of the teen comedy, because he also did a montage in uh, his follow-up film, One Crazy Summer. Indeed. Yeah, where they were making the boat. Demi that, Moore. Uh, yeah, with Demi Moore and John, C- John Cusack again. So there you go. Howard Jones, little 80s uh, new wave. Remember and, the song of uh, Humans Lib? And here's the great thing about uh, about 80s montage songs, you know, that come from films. I think a lot of times because, you know, I don't know that previous generations watched movies a hundred times in a row. I think that might have been a thing that started with kids who grew up in the 70s. Maybe not. Yeah. But I don't think kids from the 50s were, like, watching On the Waterfront every they single Saturday. They were reading Saturday. books. <laughs> Didn't videotapes make that more possible? I guess, yes. Yeah, see, there you go. See? 
See, that's why you fit in with the program, because you have the tiny bits of obvious knowledge that Chris and I have forgotten. Yeah, thank you. But so, Thank you, VHS. But, well, let's not forget that. And when you hear the song, like, it triggers the image. So even as we're listening to this, I can see that sequence where it's like John Cusack's feet and Monique's feet sticking out from underneath the Camaro. And she's, like, reaching out and grabbing a wrench or something because yeah. she's, like, the hot girl who knows cars. Right. So there you go. Yeah. That's right. And she's French. Supposedly. She All speaks right. the international yeah. language. Of love. All right. Love. Moving on. Number five. From Ghostbusters, the Gus Boys. Cleaning up the clown. I'm so happy you I put this like on the list. I cleaning up the clown. Sorry. I am so happy this is on the... I love this song. It's a good one, right? This is the... Good now, job, Chris Paddock, so far. Oh, thanks. Well, this is the song yeah. in Ghostbusters that accompanies the sequence where business is really picking up. Uh, you know, they're really, it's right. really picking up for the boys. And so they... It is just a, a, a constant cut from one scene to another of them busting ghosts, being adored by fans, trying to, you know, and then there's... The, Larry King does his break with them. Of ghosts and ghost busting. Yes, and yeah. Joe Franklin. Have you seen Elvis? Yeah. And if so, how is he? And then there's the Aykroyd just pauses and then they cut. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great, I love great sequence. Song. And the Bus Boys, of course, very popular in 80s comedies because uh, they were also featured in 48 Hours with Eddie Murphy really? and Nick Nolte. Yeah, they had The Boys Are Back in Town. That was their big... Uh, you remember that? You see, I'm not, I'm not as well-versed yeah. in 48 Hours as I might ideally okay. be. Well, Nick Nolte was in it. That's this all is, about I know. But uh, I will tell you, I'll give credit here. Uh, this, is a, this is a Fat Boy uh, inclusion here. He, he, he mentioned this one. So Here's an underrated song for the Ghostbusters soundtrack, because Ghostbusters was right on that edge of music evolution where they hadn't quite figured out that if you filled the soundtrack with more than one song, you could sell a lot more, sure. like the Top Gun sort of a thing. And so Ghostbusters was still in that stage where you would buy the whole record because you wanted the single, but then you never listened to anything else again, mm -hmm. which is like the Axel F, uh, it, when the going gets tough, the tough get going thing. Billy Ocean. Underrated song in the Ghostbusters soundtrack is that song Magic. Yes, that where the ghosts the... invade New York. Exactly. Yeah. Great song. Yeah, and good sound. But I remember seeing it in Dolby, and the, the sound was pretty incredible in the movie theater that time. It's so amazing I found a woman to marry me. It really is. Me too. I think uh, that every day. <laughs> Thank you. Um, these are the top five songs that accompany a film montage. Chris Paddock. Number four, you can't have a montage without Swayze. <gasps> the dance montage. Hungry yes. Eyes. Oh, Eric Carmen yes. from uh, Dirty Dancing. And Sarah, this is our dance space. Spaghetti arms. <laughs> Spaghetti arms. Nobody puts baby in the corner. That's right. Just uh, looking at the floor over here. I carried a water. Yeah, what a, what a movie. Uh, I remember the early radio advertisements for Dirty Dancing, and they made it sound like it was something filthy, and that's why I took Didn't you see my, the way my, they were dancing? Because I thought it was dirty. Well, I, well you know, I, I, I like to listen to the radio, and they were saying, oh, you're not going to believe how they dance in this movie. I was like, well, this could be something really scintillating. And then I found out it's like it's like a family movie with Jerry Orbach. Yeah, it's like one of my mom's so favorite movies. Jerry Orbach. Orbach, he's dead. That's right. Yeah. Lumiere. I love that guy. Well, you know, and then I think it was maybe the letdown, because it was all this anticipatory, like, excitement about Dirty Dancing. Yeah, because it's, you know, the dance that should not be. And it was all this letdown, which is, that then gave us Lombada. That yeah, opened oh, up did. the niche yeah. for the Lombada movie, the vacuum to be filled by the Lombada. Which, uh, that movie ends with a big math, uh, math off in the Lombada, the Forbidden Dance film. I think that was like, it, it was like part stand and deliver and then dirty dancing. And that's what they got. They got Lombada out of that. Stand and deliver meets dirty dancing. Goodness. That's wonderful. Yeah, there you go. No, no, no. It's like, uh, it's like lean on me uh, versus the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The kids will love it. All right. We call it class of 84. Uh, this, Chris Paddock with the top five songs that accompany a film montage. 
Oh, number three, tracking his rise to power from Scarface, Paul Engneman, and Push It to the Limit. Which I heard sampled in a hip-hop song not too long ago. Yeah. I, uh, it wasn't, and it wasn't here, it was, it was somewhere, it might have been in Seattle. I was listening to the radio, flipping around, listening to the radio, I don't remember what it was, late at night, and I heard some hip-hop song, and it just, it was just that line, though. The push it to the limit. And it was clearly a sample, it was just the, you know, push it to the limit thing that would loop occasionally in the chorus, like, you know, in the background. You're going to notice, by the way, as this list goes on, a lot of average names that perform music in movies in the 80s and uh, late 70s. And I will tell you this, uh, isn't this where, it's horrible. But yeah, this is like Tony Montana's rise, and uh, yeah. you know they kill Robert Loggia, and it is game on, blow for everybody. It's just like every single cliche. You got to double the stakes, crash the game. Wow, right there, that little Jim Simon backing. Bat out of hell. And this is one of those things where you know in the video, you just know when the guy is singing this. It's that 80s video thing where it's black and white, and he's in sort of an arena, but there's nobody there. Like, there's no crowd. And there's, like, um, like chain-link fence behind yeah. him. And he's he's grabbing the microphone, and they do the tight shot where you just see his hand, the mic, and his face. Eyes closed, clenched fist, and then he's feeling it. Yeah, you know, like, he's baring the teeth when he sings because it's like, you know, it's coming from like it's coming from a very serious place. It's a diaphragm, time. usually. From the streets. Oh, He's true. delivering it from the streets. True. True. Thank wow. you. Yeah, Paul Edmund. Uh Georgia Moroder uh, composed this, too. And I don't know if you uh, are a fan of his, but you know, he, was involved, he was involved in uh, the disco era. Yes, he and, was. Uh, little, you know, a little band called Blondie. Call what me. That? What the hell is that? I don't know. I just I, I, I seem to have channeled uh, Casey Kasem. What's that? That's like a sitar. But it's like a fake. Run through a keytar. It's, it... <laughs> what is that? Wait, it's you a, ought to make it. A... It's a sitar. Dude. You ought to create, you ought to create a hybrid musical instrument that is a kitar and a sitar mixed together. Ooh. And it'd be a sitar something, like and, sitar. but it's like a sitar that you play that's like shiny and red. Yeah. All right. Okay. We're we'll working that. on that. All right. We'll work on that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these are the top five uh, songs that accompany a film montage. You're going to notice a, a theme here. Number two, you're the best from Karate Kid, Joe Esposito. This is where uh, you're only Daniel's a man. making his you're a man. Where he's making his way through the uh, Valley Karate Tournament, going to take on the Cobra Kai, and the guy from Cagney and Lacey is judging him on the side. The guy from Cagney and Lacey. <laughs> Can't think of his name. I think it's Sarah Dillon that you'd never seen the Karate Kid. What? I don't know. But uh, it's like at this point. There is no God. I mean, here's the thing. Karate Kid came out in 84? 84, yes. Yeah, it was my freshman year. And, you know, this was on the tail of, you know, Survivor's Big Eye of the Tiger. Right. And, of course, Survivor then tried to write a sequel to that, which was uh, uh, the in the film The Karate Kid, which is the moment of truth. That was the... Uh, Where would Survivor be, really, without, you know... Like without guys hitting each other, getting the ass kicked out of them. People beating each other. <laughs> no, and I and I think I either thought or told Sarah that if she hadn't seen the Karate Kid at this point, it was best just to never see that it. That is it ridiculous. You know, it doesn't hold up really. I mean, there's big well, chunks of it that don't hold worth, up. It's worth seeing. And, and by the way, when I was looking on iTunes just to see if maybe Joe Esposito's available, right? Uh, to uh, the recommendation liners. Yes. All right. Uh, he goes also by the certain. <laughs> he has one of those kooky uh, names, you know, in the middle, like you know, nickname. 
with the quotes around it. He goes by Joe Bean Esposito. I don't know what that means. Joe Bean, I guess, is... Duly noted. Yeah, weird. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Paddock has labored over this, and now it is time for the summation, the climax, the finale, the apotheosis. These have been the top five songs that accompany a film montage. Chris Paddock, what might number one be? Bill Conti, Gonna Fly Now, from the Rocky movies. Now, of think course. of... It couldn't be anything else. Think of this, though, because it could have been Eye of the Tiger... It could have been No Easy Way Out from Rocky IV. Could have been Burning Heart. Burning Heart from Survivor from Rocky IV. Think of Bill Conti as being, you know, the reverend in Poseidon Adventure that Gene Hackman played as he's renouncing his god and dies into the flames. He's taking one for the team. You know, the thing is, the arrangement on this obviously is all the hallmarks of the 70s, but it's... Well, it's got that synthesizer. But you know what? Can I just... Like, the... See, and I and I don't want to say it's totally a guy thing. To some degree, it is a guy thing, though. That you hear either either this gonna fly now, or you hear that opening the opening trumpet fanfare that goes over the opening yeah. credits, which is not this, but it's like a variation right. on that on that passage on that uh, you know that phrasing. <laughs> See right there, like yeah. the seventies. But the, but it's so strongly linked that it's like you just like you can't. Help but respond to it. Like it is, it is, it is the very definition of of an of a, of a you know the of, of an instinctive response. I would like to also mention it was used to enormously successful effect in the Kenny Rogers family movie Six Pack. You were the first person in like twenty years to <laughs> reference that film in my presence. And you know, you know the backup singers in this. They've got their like they've got their handcuffed over one ear. Totally. It's really good. That's some badass guitar too. I bet you that was Steve Lukather of, uh, of Toto fame. I uh, here's the other thing about well, you saw Rocky Balboa. Oh yes, I did. And you know Rocky Balboa. You know the using ending, by the way. But you know the great thing about that movie is how they make you wait for this song. They don't give it to you right away. That's right. They make you wait for Gonna Fly Now, and then when you hear it, you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the payoff. I, I kind of wow. lost the, the plot after Rocky Four. I'm going to say I, this I one know. thing about montages, by the way. Yeah. Rocky IV has the best training montage of any film that has ever existed, to the point that like you never need to do another one. Like it'd be even better than Rocky or Rocky Balboa. Rocky IV has the best training. I think there's two, but there's the, the best training montage. It's the one before the big fight against Drago. It's the one where they show Drago and Rocky training, and of course because Rocky has, you know, Rocky is sort of like the true warrior. Yeah. And so like Drago is getting like steroid injections, and he's hitting that thing that measures his punch like in pounds of square. But then they co- they show Rocky in the snow sawing a tree. He's like, like killing a, a bear, yeah. you know, <laughs> wrestling it to the ground and stabbing it to death. You almost tur- you did like a little Muhammad Ali almost there. I done tussled with a whale. You almost hit it. Yeah. I don't know what I just said. No, no, no. That's like the, that is the that is the definition of the sports training montage. Oh, true, true. There's no other. They're this all, is all other crap. Me. This is East versus West. Us against them. <laughs> wow, I suck. Uh, the night I saw, by the side note, that anyone really cares of the night I saw Rocky Four was the night that uh, Rick Nelson died, freebasing in a plane. Yes. Sorry. Are you no, kind of ashamed of yourself that you didn't put in the footloose montage? Now, let's talk about this for a second because I would like to... Let's talk uh, about your shame. Let's talk about what you no, do. No, let's you talk do about it. this for a second because footloose, I say, and I, and I watched it with Court Webber on YouTube, uh, that is a scene. And if you're talking about the scene with Kenny Loggins and, and, and uh, Kevin Bacon dancing in the warehouse, dancing away his, his anger uh, at the religious right mm-hmm. of that town... 
That is not a that's not a montage. That's a that's a, pro, that's a process that's a of doing something. Like no. he starts angry, okay. but then he dances, the only, and by dint of him dancing, he becomes less angry. The only the montage, though, in the film, in my opinion, is that crappy Denise Williams song, "Let's Hear It for the Boy," where he teaches Chris Penn's character now, how to that's dance. A fabulous song. Now, see, so there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I I got angry because it was well, I I grew I was not a woman in the eighties. <laughs> Well, some sure? people would say I was, but uh, no. Growing up, hearing that, uh, it became a horrible ad jingle, which was "Let's hear it for the toys for Christmas." <laughs> and I, um, I will say uh, that there's two that immediately leave, and I'm not saying. Okay. And, and here's the thing, and you know this, and Liz, just so you know, as when we put together these top fives, it's always it's not even an issue of what you put on, you know, justifying what you put on. It's justifying what you didn't put on. It's Absolutely. justifying leaving something off. Here's the two yeah. that I thought. I wouldn't want to try it. I, no, it's like it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's yeah. challenging. It is. Uh, the two that I would have thought of, and one I know doesn't really deserve to be on, but the other one I would argue it does. Um, the um, the one that I first thought of is kind of obscure, and it's from the Rodney Dangerfield vehicle, Back to School. Yeah, what is the name of that? I don't remember the name of the song, but it's the studying montage where Rodney Dangerfield decides that he's not going to drop out of school after all because, after all, He's a melon. <laughs> and so then he starts doing the whole tr- studying montage. And, you know, Robert Downey Jr., that was his first major film role. Right. And so there's a lot. There's this great sequence where Rodney Dangerfield is trying to study in the shower. So he's in the shower in his bathrobe with a cup of coffee. And Robert Downey Jr. has got a book wrapped in plastic. <laughs> and Rodney Dangerfield is, like, falling over, but he's trying to read this book. And Robert Downey Jr. is wearing a raincoat in the shower. And they're playing this, like, like, 80s song. Sort of techno song. Yeah. Well, and I also was going to have, Rick, and you know this, one foot in front of the other from the Revenge of the Nerds movie when they're cleaning the house. The other one that I was going to bring up, which I think is... Like Bone Symphony. Almost more impressive, because I don't think there's any lyrics to it. I think it's an instrumental. It is that song from the Breakfast Club where they're all dancing after getting high, and the guys are up in the railing doing, like, the dancing, and they show the shoes moving back and forth. Carla DeVito's We Are Not Alone. I, I was very well aware of that uh, track uh, yeah, growing up. I would have included it. Uh, it, was, uh, it was on the original list, but uh, there, was, there were discussions. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying, just it, so that's that, out there. Yeah, I'm saying I know, in my world. Down. And then, of course, the meta way to go would have been to play, I don't know, maybe Montage from uh, Team America. Trey Parker's. Yeah, uh, Trey Parker's. Uh, <laughs> Thing. I don't Excellent. know. Well done, Chris Paddock. There I you say, go. Oh, you really, you have earned our respect with this. Thank you. I'm out of breath from it. All right. Quite honestly. Uh, Sarah, Thank shall we... Uh, Let's do some news stories and then take a break. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, here in just a short while, Aaron Geek in the City Duran will join us, and we'll do another top five. We'll do the top five video game themes of all time. So, like, if you haven't, you know, like, you know, hate-mailed yet about this one, you can save it for the next one. Uh, once again, at the news desk, Liz Hummer. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Well, uh, we have some breaking news. After our dirty dancing reverie just a little bit ago, uh, we seems that Patrick Swayze is checked into the hospital this morning with pneumonia. We all know he's been battling uh, pancreatic cancer That's for bad. a year now, which has, he's beaten the odds over and over again. With. And, and this probably isn't related to the cancer as such, but obviously your immune system is probably weak enough that anything else the can chemo, yeah. Absolutely. Did you see that thing there? In, actually, just a couple of days ago, there was a Patrick Swayze story where they, because initially they'd given him something, it's like two months to live or three right. months. Yeah. And then the other day, though, there was a story that said, and they were still positioning it as bad news, which I guess it is, but relatively speaking, they said, Patrick Swayze probably has no more than two years to live. And it was weird that they suddenly... Like they they it's sort like of they re- gave him an endpoint. Yeah, they, well they like they readjusted the timeline by a factor of like ten. 
Yeah, well, so. he just did an interview with Barbara Walters. Yes, which I uh, I did not get to see, and he looked pretty healthy in, in that uh, thing. Yeah, but who knows he, how long ago that was taped. Yeah, um, he's got a he's got a new TV show starting out. Yeah, too. he's well, he's had to pull out of promoting it. It says here, um, unfortunately. But man, he's been a bulldozer. Just mm-hmm. going well, you know, but you gotta you, you gotta admire that. That you know, a guy's yeah. gonna like he's got a guy's gonna go all the way to die on stage. That is die with your boots on. So it really it's what yeah, what would what Dalton, Dalton do? That is what Dalton would do. Yeah. By the way, I'm gonna skip the joke about since he was on Barbara Walters about what kind of tree Patrick Swayze would be. Right Thank now. you. <laughs> you can just do that at home yourself. Here's there we a, go. Ready for more? Yes, I okay. am. Okay. Um, this is a little lighter. Uh, the headline, will Americans put on recession pounds? As if we're not already worried about money and jobs. Now uh, we're hearing that the recession is going to make us fat because we're going to start eating cheaper fast food and uh, empty calories. And also sitting at home and, you know, as, and, uh, as Cartman would say, you know, you know, don't forget, Mr. Chocolate Bar loves you just the way you are. Exactly. You comfort need a, eating. You need a chocolate friend. So does Mr. Hot Fry. Uh, comfort food, Chris Paddock? Uh, Captain Crunch. Comfort food, Liz Hummer? I'm a candy addict. Like a little kid with a bowl of candy. I put you, I put you in the aisle of the candy store, though. What do you go for? What's the number one candy? First thing that comes uh, to mind. Right now, Skittles. All I right. go through Ooh. phases, though. All right. But you're right now you're in a Skittles phase. Yeah. All right. Uh, and Lemonheads. You so you go more for like fruity than like chocolatey. Yes. All right, Sarah Dillon. You know, macaroni and cheese. Easy Mac. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for Sarah Dillon and myself, it is uh, it is Kraft macaroni. So mm. I'm Wait. off the Easy Mac though. I haven't had Easy Mac in like five months. Can I tell you, I have not had a box of Kraft macaroni in. No, that's not true. I had one. I uh, I had one a couple weeks ago, but since then, in almost. Five months. Wow. Which is like I can't do it. I, I'm trying to go one month without doing it, but it's really hard. I gave in. I and to, and to be fair, I gave in and I had two boxes in a single sitting. I made two boxes wow. and I ate the entire thing, which is literally it's like 3,800 calories. But it's okay. But I did that once. But five months almost because that was I was eating a lot of that and it was showing. I had become a big spongy bastard. So anyway, all right. Uh, once again, Liz Hummer with the um. So the, the recession might be making us fat, but Nintendo is going to do their part to keep us trim with Wii, of course. And it turns out that Wii Sports is the best-selling video game ever. Of all time? Of like, all time. Or like just for the so Wii? So far. Of, like, of all time. It has beat out Super Mario Brothers. How is that How is what? that even possible? You know why it's possible? Because it's packaged in every Wii game console. Well, Super, you don't even know you're buying it. I guess, although, I mean, Super Mario Brothers was, was, uh, that was, part of, that was a yeah. package thing. But is it that they made more Wiis than, uh, yeah. no? And probably more to the rest of the world, too. That's probably worldwide sales. That would I, that would not surprise me, actually, because I think Super Mario Brothers, the packaging of Super Mario Brothers with the NES, I think that might have not been the whole world. I think they might be selling that Wii and the Wii Fitness thing, or Wii Sports, Rather to uh, to to everybody. That seems like it might be part of it. And so. look, you know, there's a picture. I just saw this. It looks like it's been photoshopped, but it, it's Barack Obama holding a Wii controller. Obama is doing his part as yeah. well. Is that true? Are they bringing a Wii to the White House? Yes, he got his girls Wii for Christmas. That is so fantastic. The White House Wii. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, look, and here and here's what I'm such a dumb American in that. Like I am the very definition of of the moronic voter because like. Stimulus package, the tax cut, yes, no, strife, impl- whatever. You know, but it's like when I hear that, no, 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 and it, you know, in the White House they're going to have a video game system. I'm like, best Ooh, president yeah. ever. I mean, like it is the bright, shiny political object. New puppy, just... new video game. Yeah, did they? Wait, did they get a puppy? I never had. Did they get a puppy? 
not yet. Wow. Not until they move. See, no, I'm I mean, excited about that puppy thing. No, and it's like, I mean, it's like, and even though, I mean, not uh, to the same degree that my uh, wife was, uh, but, you know, when I saw that photo of him on the beach where he's all like, oh, yeah. you he know. all sexy like. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, like, like it's like, like sexy hot president. And I looked at him and was like. Best president ever again because it's like you can't really see like big you know you can't see George Bush wouldn't do that no and I'm you know like it's not like you're gonna see like to you know Warren G Harding you know like a Howard Taft see they I called him the fat pig Grover Cleveland <laughs> look at me um so you know they actually look like Mr Monopoly I wasn't quite as a as transfixed by that photo as my wife uh, seemed to be. And at one point, I feared that I was going to have to unplug the computer to get her quit yeah. looking at it. Yeah. Like, I fully expected to come home, and that would be like the tiled wallpaper on our desktop. But, uh, you know, so in any event. Well, he does continue to be fantastic. So there Hottest president ever, probably. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back with Aaron Duran. Sure. Uh, I don't know. If this, people might already know this, but Jimmy Page has put the kibosh on a Led Zeppelin reunion, officially. Like, mm. ju- just this tour, like forever, or...? Uh, I guess there were rumors that they were going to record and tour together again, and uh, unequivocally, no. Uh, I don't know how to feel I, about well, that. Well, I think uh, they, looked for, they looked for a lead singer. Like Paul Rogers or And then they talk about the dude from Alter Bridge, which is like a disaster waiting to happen. It's like putting the guy from Extreme in, in Van Halen. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so they, I guess they couldn't find a sufficient... Eddie singer, Money wasn't available. Eddie Money was not available, yeah. and nor was Brad Delp, God uh, rest his soul. Well, I mean, I have to say, on the one hand, I'm less so than I was as a, as a youth, uh, but, you know, uh, anybody who knows me knows that Zeppelin was for a long time. That was like, they were the sort of thing that got me into, you know, because I just, you know, I didn't, wasn't really, you know, I didn't really get any exposure to rock and roll as a kid, but when I heard Zeppelin as a teenager, it was like, oh, you know, and it just right. like, totally, like, broke my brain. So I always, I will always love Zeppelin. And the good news about this is, is that they're not going to tour because no matter how much it would have cost, like I would have had to pay it. Like there would have been no, you know what I mean? It's they like they, you a favor. It's like the locksmith who like tells me the key is 150. What am I going to say? No. Uh, you know, if they'd said like, look, uh, it's going to be four thousand dollars. Like I would, okay. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't. Have, yeah. So, and I saw, I did see a bootleg, a very high quality bootleg DVD of that London show they did. And the OT, it was. Yes, the one it was incredible. It was incredible. It was so good. But you know what? It's like I've got that, and I'm going to call that good. Let's Something just leave it. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Paddock. Thank well you. done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Take a break. Back after this, more news with Liz Hummer, formerly of LivePDX.com, and filling in ably at the uh, AM970 News Desk today. Aaron Duran joins us around the corner, and yet another divisive and polarizing top five. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
I feel like Aaron and I ought to be sort of like building something or like, uh, I don't know, like, seriously. Like, this would be the sequence, like, in the movie right before, you know, Aaron and I are going to do something to save the rec center from mean old man Carruthers who wants to pave it over for condos. Oh, by the way, there's a great sequence in Breakin' and Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo. That's right. Hit the post. Shut up! It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Is it bad when I'm trying to get rid of food I lie to Richie about the calorie content? I don't understand. Oh, because he won't because he won't eat anything that's like fatty. What did you trick Richie into eating? One of my little hot pocket things, but I told him it was only hundred calories. How many really? I don't know, I think it's like three hundred or something. Well done. Well that's okay. We lied. I mean look, I mean i <laughs> I'm just kidding, Richie. I I mean, I lie to people about things like that all the time. You know, like, Laura, for example, she's like, so how many calories is that thing you're eating? None. You know, and meanwhile, I'm just sort of like shoveling fat into my... So, no, 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 that's a... You know, lying about calorie uh, count to yourself or to other people is a... That's a... That's, a, that's a, a-okay. It's an American tradition, Sarah. All right. Uh, we, of course, have been joined today uh, by Liz Hummer, former editor of LivePDX.com. Uh, and then I should actually say, going forward, and if you if you don't, that's certainly your choice. We've had people who've opted not to. Um, do you have contact info if people want to get in touch with you, or do you have Facebook sure. or whatever? I mean, it's, if not, not a big deal. Oh, don't, don't ask her if she has Facebook. All of a sudden, it's going to be like 300 people. I'm just saying, we've had a couple people who've your said... Your voice uh, sounds real pretty on the radio. <laughs> we, we, we did uh, have someone, actually, who I said, do you have contact info? And they just said... I don't want people to be able to talk to me. So, I don't know. What well, you know, a very friendly person, um, you know, within reason. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll, get, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get on the same page after the like show. you have, like, 15 minutes if you want to set up a brand-new email account somewhere? Yeah. You sure. don't away <laughs> well done. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. We'll do a bit more news here before we wrap things up. But, ladies and gentlemen, first and foremost, will you please give your attention to the guy whose theme I'm queuing up right now? There we go. Aaron Geek in the City, Duran. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Why are you talking like I don't know. You're talking okay. like the booby doctor. Yeah, you're going to... Don't do that. All right. Hello, Aaron. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am... Is that better? Uh, I'm fantastic. Look at his beard. That's a fabulous beard. It really is. That's a man's beard. I have my own beard, yeah. When you first started going with the beard... I mean, I didn't know if it would work only because, not because when Luca began, like I was talking to uh, somebody about this today, some guys can grow uh, the facial hair, some guys can't. Like I myself, I really can't because there's certain like small sections where it comes in real thin, and so the rest of it, it looks patchy. Yeah. You, though, you make it work. Yeah, I wasn't sure. This is the first time I've ever done this. So I got to say, the combination of the shaved head and then the facial hair, it does, it's, I, I like it. Shift so, the hair down. Riddle me this, Aaron. How okay. do you know when to stop shaving? Like, where like do you, why do you, yeah, like, no, I mean, because, you know, because you have the shaved head, but then you have the beard. Like, I'm such a nerd, I actually just line it up with my ear. Because, you know, because what she's basically, like, for guys, like, some, like, like when I'm shaving, yeah. like, up sort of near the cheek area, I get stray hairs that you sort of have to shave. So the question is where, the, oh, you know, right. the line going down the side of your face, where's the cutoff point? For Pretty you? much when it starts to strand, like like you said, when you start to get kind of rogue hairs that are just there. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not, it, but do not you trim it, like, along, like, parallel with your glasses? No, it literally is, look at my, my profile here. It's lined up with my ear. Okay. So when yeah, I so like, headphones, I really oh, can't okay. see. So okay, so here's the thing: when I shave a line my... from the top of his ear to his chin. Okay. Yeah, you cut along like, that. When I shave my head, in the you know in the shower and stuff, I just go just perfectly straight across the side of my head, right behind my ear lobe or whatever, and that's the line. Okay. 
Right, so, yeah. there you go. so it but works. But I do, I purposely avoid the George Lucas neck beard. Oh, no. See, and that's the weird thing. That's the only kind of beard I can really grow is the neck beard. That's unfortunate. It's just, it's, you know, it's like a... It's a if it's you were like, Amish, it would work. It's like a Greek punishment. <laughs> I will give you great facial hair only here. <laughs> only across thine Adam's apple. Yes, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't really come together. Um, what is up at geekinthecity.com? Uh, geekinthecity.com right now. The big thing we're doing is I am trying to drum up membership for the Hero Initiative. That's kind of my new pet project right now. And the Hero Initiative is a nonprofit group uh, which basically raises money for out of or under work comic book writers and artists, a lot of which were around during the 60s and 70s. Right. And there's no insurance for them, so a lot of them are living in like studio flats, mm. having to. They're the know, Mickey Rourke of the. They're, they're, they're the Ram yeah. Robinson of the comic book world. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. So it's a, it's a really good group because everybody who works in comics, almost all of them, you know, unless your name is like Kevin Smith, uh, they're all freelancers in DC and Marvel. They don't own. And they don't own them, and there's an insurance is a, this is an un, this is an unknown concept to the comic book world. Right. So a Hero Initiative helps them out a lot. Excellent. Good for you. you know, Hugh Hefner did something really similar with jazz musicians because a lot of the old jazz guys, obviously, they don't own the recordings. They don't, and they they're old enough that they can't really tour. And Hefner did this great thing where it was a it was an, it was like a Hugh Hefner Foundation thing to support and take care of um, jazz musicians yeah. from the 30s and 40s. So this is kind of similar to that. Yeah. And also a little more fact about Hugh, he is also a uh, a big kind of silent supporter of a lot of the older comic book guys because a lot of them also also drew for Playboy. Excellent. Well, I know that uh, like uh, Harvey Kurtzman and Will Elder did yeah. for a while too. So yeah. excellent. Well, fantastic. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good cause. And uh, film reviews. What is new in the world of cinema? Uh, the new one, right? Grand Torino. This is what I like to call the. Uh, this is the slimy Oscar season. I'm I'm bothered when studios put in their arty films at the end of the year. And it's like Oscar baiting, and it, right. it just annoys me. Oscar baiting. Yeah, it's like, look, if you think you have an Oscar quality movie, you know, put it out when you want to put it out. Don't ram it all down everybody's throats like two weeks before the Oscars. Right, right. Like, look at this, we made a great For consideration. consideration. Yeah. But that's what they're, they're re-releasing The Dark Knight to get attention well, again because you forget about it. And they're trying to break a billion yeah. dollars, I heard, They're trying too. to beat Titanic. Yeah. They're 70 grand away. I'd feel okay or no, about they're that. 70 million away. I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd feel okay. I would be indifferent to the Titanic record being broken. It would be all with, right with the world if the yeah, Dark Knight right. can bring down the Titanic. You know, <laughs> hey, you know what? I like Titanic. And no, I'm it's not shame. Titanic. It just seems like if anyone's going to bring down the Titanic, it's Batman. I would have no problem with yeah. that. Is, is, yeah, I guess is my thing. I, I would be okay with that. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, we have another top five. We have another top five, and I got two phone calls, and Liz is over there. Sarah? Okay. Well, what shall we do? Let's take the phone calls really quick. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How might I help thee? Rick. Hello. Hello, it's Lyle from, uh, formerly from Muddy River Nightmare Band. Uh, Lyle, formerly Lyle. Muddy River Nightmare Band. Hey, How buddy. are you, sir? Hi, hey, Sarah. what's How up? Are you? Doing well. Hey, you know, not much. I, you know, I uh, wasn't able to catch uh, your entire show because I had that stupid thing called work going on. Nah, but, uh, I did catch the beginning of your me. show, and you were talking about your uh, problem with the Christmas tree. Yes. And so I was wondering if you'd resolved your problem with the Christmas tree yet. Uh, no, because I've been here working. Uh, oh. But, um, no, 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 it's just, it's like, it's sitting there in my and house. Nobody's giving you advice. Well, what about that church that... Well, I guess, well. I guess the church down the street from, uh, you know, where I, it's actually the same church where I got it. Uh, so I guess they'll take it back. It's just a question of getting it out of my house without every single needle coming off, and then what do I do when I get it to the sidewalk? Uh, well, you see, the first problem is you have to have a... Uh, a vacuum cleaner handy because there's no way to get a tree out of a house. Her name is Lara. Needle. And I, I know I'm master of the obvious yeah. on that one, but uh, I was actually calling because I, of all people, actually am related to a Boy Scout troop. My son is a Boy Scout, 
and we've been doing the Christmas tree recycle, where we go to people's houses and we pick up Christmas trees and that sort of thing. So I was say, if you hadn't gotten rid of it yet, this is our last weekend of doing the Christmas tree recycle, and we could probably help you out with that. Color me there. Uh, so <laughs> do, me, do me a favor. If you have not already, would you send me an email about that? I could do that. Um, as soon as I get to my other job, I will uh, send you an email. That, that would be fantastic, sir. Much and uh, we're, uh, we're going to be open Saturday and Sunday. So. You, you are the cool. One doesn't really think about members or former members of the Muddy River Nightmare Band having children in, in you know, like Boy Scouts. But, you Imagine, know. see, I yeah, thought Lyle was out shopping true. with his son. And really? So it's, wholesome. it's true. Sarah did catch us out and about. And my sister and I are in a bar drinking hot toddies in the middle of the day, and, like, you know, Lyle's walking by with his son being all wholesome. Yeah, what are you going to do? You know, the weird. funny thing about that was my, my, my son, who's 13, couldn't go into the bar. So I did and left him standing outside, which was quite entertaining. A father's love. Yeah, well, you know, he managed to remind me of that the entire rest of the day and probably about two days following that. <laughs> Excellent. My dad left me outside of a bar Genius. when it was 22 degrees. Oh, I was like, thanks. Oh, no, you're going to hear about that more when he's like 16, oh, no, 17. No, I, I guarantee I will be hearing about that. And I'll probably hear about it from his therapist at some point, I'm sure. Well done. Yeah, drop me an email about that, my friend. I can do that. My All friend. right. Have a good weekend, sir. Thank you. Dude. Take care. Well, thanks so much. Excellent. I All love right. that guy. Uh, so, Sarah Dillon. Yes, sir. How shall I proceed at this point? Why don't we do a few more news stories? All right. We'll we'll a couple news stories. We'll break. We'll come back with Aaron in the top five once again at the news desk. Well, Liz Hummer. Now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland. This is the news. Here's a quick one. Uh, iTunes is dropping its copy protection, which means, uh, I don't know, uh, now you download them and you can only copy them or burn them to a CD a limited number of times. Right, right. Now you get unlimited. And that's it. So and that's it, cool. And it's going to be, does that mean it'll also be in an MP3 format? Because right now it's in yeah. that proprietary M4P thing. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. It's supposed to come down in MP3. And anything you bought previously to this, you can you can retroactively. I love Apple. Well, for a cost. Yeah. Well, for 30 yeah. cents a well, well, you know, what are you going to do? It's a, it's a capitalist culture. You know, and like, here's the thing. And this is my, just my observation only. They got to make that money while they can, because in my estimation, within like five, six years, it's all going to be the subscription model. Period. Done. Yeah, that's right. all going to be it. it. All music will be on the subscription service, and so they're. And they, with Pandora, I'm, even there's you know yeah, but there's any number of you know, and there's like the Napster service, which is like fourteen bucks a month, flat fee, take all you want. I mean, and that's right. that's I think is going to be the way that the music industry specifically sort of trends, and so I can see, you know, Steve Jobs, who always. You know, he has that love-hate relationship with the record labels, too, where they love him because they are now the world's single biggest retailer of music. But the record industry also hates the fact that he has just got them by the short hairs. So oh, he's, he's always calling the shots with them now. So he's trying to get as much money as he can, also with, like, retroactive D- DRM removal and so forth. Yeah. So Excellent. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. And this is just kind of uh, a silly one from Britain. A 24-year-old woman gave her phone number to a uh, phone company call center worker to uh, be able to get in touch uh, while her landline was getting set up, and within a few minutes, she started receiving amorous text messages about her lovely voice. The story made me laugh out loud. <laughs> <laughs> and how he was so attracted to her and wanted to be her friend. And by friend, you mean Can creepy stalker. Yeah, here's yes. my favorite. As precious as you are to me, as precious only few can ever be, I know all friends are hard to choose, but you are someone I never want to lose. Take care, XXX. That was all in uh, text language, too. Like, you are. <laughs> of course, of course. But uh, kind of poetic. Yeah. Not creepy. Yeah. Kind of rhyming. Yeah. yeah. Kind of rhyming. It's sweet, leet love. Maybe that's, uh, maybe you should reconsider whether you want to put contact information. I, I read yeah. the story. Uh, you know, uh, I, if you were a fruit, you'd be in the kind that's in a basket in my kitchen right now. <laughs> 
XOXOXO. All right, we'll take a break. Back after this, Aaron Geek in the City to round the top five. Like us at three, uh, Michael Merritt's show at seven, and more. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. We now enter the status part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. What better way to end the week than with this? A second top five. Three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, I'm not going to read it, but I will say that I got an email that says this from Chris. Says, the subject line is just preemptive disparagement of Aaron's list. So the pressure is on, my friend. Bring it, chumps. Now, these are the top five video game themes of all time. And so just to be clear, this is not like, because now video games have their own soundtracks you can buy. This yeah. is not like from a soundtrack. This is the theme to the game itself. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Duran with the top five video game themes of all time. At honorable mention by Jonathan Colton. This was a triumph. Still alive. By the way, we should say at this point, Jonathan Colton, uh, coming back to town, he's going to be on our show again in a couple of weeks. So, okay. uh, he was... <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh. He was in the shoot. He was a pretty man. He, that got more time. response than almost any artist interview we have ever done. Uh... When he was in the studio with us, and he played Code Monkey live, and this, yes, uh, he's awesome. going to be at the Aladdin the 24th, though. So we'll be talking to him in a few weeks. So we'll be listening. To I didn't get to catch him once. I'm, I'm so there this time. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I love Jonathan Colton. I really do. It's fantastic. All right. So uh, at number five by Koji Kondo, the Overworld theme from Super Mario Brothers 2. Eat it, fat boy. You thought you had me tricked. Sorry, I had to. I never played Super Mario Bros. 2. I skipped 2. I just went from 1 to 3. Is that the one where you can fly? No, that's uh, 3 and World. Right. Super Mario Bros. 2, in my opinion, is the uh, much maligned, undeservedly so Mario Brothers game. Because it didn't have Koopa, it didn't have right. any of that stuff. It was... Doesn't have a Yoshi? Yeah, it was in this weird, like, vegetable kingdom. But it had this kind of fun ragtime beat to it. So, it's, it, you know... People one day will look back at Super Mario Bros. 2 and say, yeah. It's an underrated classic. Oh, yeah, because it had war. It had, like, negative worlds and all kinds of great stuff. And it was the first time he got to play as Toad, my favorite Mario character. Toad. Excellent. These are uh, the top... Wow. These are the top five video game theme songs of all time. At number four by Hiroki Kikutua, City of Gold, also known as the title theme to The Secret of Mana. Right now, Kristen Bowie is doing a little dance in the break room. I don't even know what this game is. Secret of Mana is considered to be one of the best role-playing games that ever came out. It came out for the Super Nintendo. Um, it has a massive following in Japan. We're like on, they're on like part six right now. Right. But it was very revolutionary. Before all the Final Fantasies and the Dragon Warriors and all the different ones, this was the one that really kind of had a non-linear storyline. Mm -hmm. And the first time they attempted to give a game an orchestral soundtrack. It's pretty. It is. Yeah, I like very it quite pretty. a lot. Yeah, it's the nice. Super Nintendo, really. Yep. And this is actually from the Super Nintendo. This is how this is how hard they tried. I was going to say, because relatively speaking, it's a primitive system by today's yeah, standards. Yeah. Secret of Mana, uh, when it was put on the virtual console on the Wii, was one of the first things I jumped on. It's great. It's quite something. It's like a GoldenEye for the 64. It just lives totally. on. Yeah, yeah, totally. Excellent. Okay. 
At number three by Kakataka Toyamana and Hideki Tobita, Katamari on the Rocks. From the game Katamari Damasi. Who are you? I, what, what store did you shop this at? This is my other kind of dark horse uh, entry on this. This is a relatively new game where you play a young prince that has to rebuild the universe because your drunken king of a father had a party one night and broke it all apart. And basically you just push this little dude around rolling up different things and you start with like dirt and eventually you're like rolling over cows and trucks and they're getting bigger and bigger, and unless you get enough, your drunken father gets mad at you and smacks you back to the planet. But it has this weird Japanese pop jazz music, and it has a very devout following. The Japanese sometimes have an odd way of looking at things. Yes, they do. There's uh, some strangeness, I would say, that comes out of that but culture now and again. Makes me wish I had a big old T-square head. I could push things around. You know, should we move along? Uh huh. Okay. Yes, we should. This is like when Paddock and I were doing our ninth minute discussing Karate Kid, and we looked over, and Liz and Sarah's eyes were just sort of glazed over. So, wow. These are the top five video game theme songs of all time in the <laughs> opinion right. of Aaron Duran. At number two, you're going to hear this name a lot here Kojo Komondo, Super Mario theme, also known as Level 1 1. This is like some elevator music. Yeah, I found like, music a, I found like an orchestral version of it because I can't. Seriously, this is. Our feature presentation starts after this. This is actually, I believe, a, um, you know, one of those, um, magnet schools with, like, all art or all whatever. Oh, like a magnet school. Magnet school. Yeah. All this yeah. symphony does are video game themes. Bastards. Yeah. I always wanted to go to a school like that. Me too. Today we're just going to recite Howl in its entirety. Go. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, the, you know, for our summer show, we're going to copy all the Mario Brothers music. Sarah, so where are we at time-wise over there? We have two minutes. All right. Actually. All right. Let me just... Yeah. All right. We all did that at once. Excellent. Just checking. Okay. At number one, by the same composer who pretty much rules all of Nintendo, The Legend of Zelda theme. That's what I started singing. Yes. This is the first one that, that came to Sarah's mind, by the way. I thought it would it's be Super Mario Brothers. Yes. Really? Yeah, mine's Mario Brothers. And every version of the game, they have always amped it up on this on this theme. It should be noted, last night I told my wife, uh, Lara, I said, we're, you know, Aaron's doing the top five um, you know, video game games, and this was Lara's choice, oh, wait, too. Sh- hold on. Can't miss it. Sarah just did the cutest thing ever. My wife not only she not only named it, but she then, without prompting, began singing it last night in the kitchen. She's like bum 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 bum, and I, and I you know, she's like Zelda, man. And so this is the yeah. soundtrack to my life for four months. When Fatboy found out I was doing this, as soon as he texted me, Zelda's number one, right? It better be. Well done. I have I've no also issue. been on a Nine Inch Nails concert where Trent Reznor began to play this. Oh, I, that is so cool. Yeah. I have no issues with this. I, I I'm pretty proud of this list. It was tricky, but yeah. Excellent. Um, what, uh, Geek and it? we've talked about kind of everything that's going on there. Anything yeah. else? Uh, no new show at Film Career this week because we are retooling the show because next week it will come back bigger, stronger, and faster. All right. And, uh, but we are recording the Jaws commentary this weekend. So. I'm going to try to be there for that. Sweet. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, Liz Hummer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And fun. So we'll, um, we'll get your contact info if that's a thing you feel like revealing <laughs> to this admittedly odd audience. What do you think 15 minutes later? <laughs> 
That's okay. So um, we will have you back on the show at some point, definitely, if you uh, if you would grace us with your presence. Sure. Fantastic. So thank you, and uh, you know, and of uh, you know, I don't know, the schooner tuna guy goes, you know, we're all in this together. So uh, as always, you know, yeah, the, the yeah. door is open. We would love to have you back. So thanks. Keep me busy. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, there you go, Liz Hummer, uh, uh, joining us here in the studio next week. Uh, some folks, including uh, Stacy Wilson, uh, formerly Portland Monthly, and Ron Pivo, who will be uh, paying us here a visit. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 97, the talker in the newsroom, Liz Hummer on the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents, Bob Costantini, Ed McCarthy, and Steve Kastenbaum, and Chris Paddock from Rock 101, uh, KUFO, who's here as well. And with that, I believe I have thanked all who need thanking, <laughs> except for you for listening, so thanks uh, so much. Don't forget to join uh, Dennis Pitsenberger, Miles Around, 9 to noon tomorrow, and Musicology with Kristen Bowie and Adam Thompson, Sunday, 7 to 9. Like us next, Michael Mara Show at 7. Uh, see you on Monday. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening. Bye. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity.